This is Coach Aaron Saft in the MR Running Pains podcast. Today, got another long episode. Um, I did not anticipate it going this far. Um, my conversation uh, with Josh, as you'll hear, um, went some places I didn't expect it to go, which is great. And we hear um, more of, of Josh's story, um, but you know that ended up being about an hour and a half, <laughs> so uh, which is totally cool. Um, got no problem with that, but I'm also adding in, uh, my conversations with, um, Leah and Janelle, uh, as they all three finished their first hundred milers, uh, Janelle and, um, Leah were at the Yeti 100 and Josh, uh, was at, uh, Hennepin. So three first time hundred milers, we kind of talk about how it went and what they learned, takeaways, uh, things going forward, uh, first time tips, all that kind of stuff. Um, in this episode, I was really intrigued. Uh, I had, I think I had seven people racing 100 miles that weekend and, um, six out of the seven actually finished it. Uh, and if you know, the Yeti 100, they ran through the remnants of, uh, hurricane Ian, uh, which was a tropical depression by the time it hit Virginia. But, uh, what nasty weather they had, which we talk about and how they got through it. And, you know, to have five out of six runners finish Yeti 100, um, I was pretty amazed. Uh, my, my sixth runner, it sounded like may have had some hypothermic sin, um, symptoms. So glad that person pulled out and, um, I'm sorry that they had to pull out, but glad they did instead of putting themselves into uh, further danger or detriment. So um, you know, congrats to all of them. Oh my goodness. Um, very proud of all of the runners that, you know, that I had coached. And so, uh, we're going to go through these conversations one at a time. Um, I recorded in the order that you will hear them. So I recorded with Leah and then Janelle and then Josh. So they're going to be in that order. Um, I hope you enjoy their stories and get to take, uh, you know, some, some lessons away from each conversation and, uh, I'll hop back on at the end and kind of do some housekeeping things with, uh, things that are going on around MR running pains, but enjoy my conversations with these three awesome and amazing individuals. My first guest here is Leah Lanier and how are you, ma'am? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> doing well. How are you recovering? I feel pretty good. It was it was actually strange. I think I felt worse after marathons. <laughs> I always say that same thing. Yes, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's pretty. Amazing. I mean, given the course Yeti, I mean, there's you know there's not much elevation change. It really you know much at all. So you're using that same muscle group, which is really surprising that you know it didn't didn't take your quads and and beat up your quads so much. But I mean, the soft surface does help. So. Um, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, I was thinking actually that because I do most of my runs on the road that mm -hmm. this might have like anytime I run any kind of trail, it seems to not beat me up as much. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm glad you're doing well. Um, Leah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a recovering attorney. So I <laughs> practice in law firms for several years and for the past 10 I've been in a corporate role I work now I work for Sonic Automotive um, which is a probably a fortune 300 car dealership company handling their real estate so I'm the director of real estate there so anytime we buy any properties for our franchises or we have a used car division um, Echo Park I handle all the purchases leases and um, 
all that fun stuff. Wow. All right. Right on. And what about your running background? Tell us, uh, tell us about yourself. Like when did you start running and when did you start getting into ultras and all that good stuff? So running is actually a funny story. I was dating a guy um, who lived in Raleigh and we really had nothing in common. So he was a road cyclist and I had no desire to do that. So we were <laughs> eating breakfast one day and the Raleigh marathon was going on and we just watched it for a little bit. And I was like, we could do that. So we found a marathon that was 18 weeks out, um, registered for it, which was the Wrightsville Beach Marathon. This would have been uh, 2012. Okay. And I could not run at all. Like I have always been an exerciser, but like no cardio whatsoever. So I would get on the treadmill and I would add, well, I did the Hal Higdon Novice One Marathon Training Program. So I would run a minute, walk a minute, run a minute, walk a minute. And then so I could run five minutes, walk a minute, just, you know, incrementally got better. And I remember the first week of that training plan was a six mile run. And I was like, that is impossible. Like no one can run six miles at one time. That is just dumb. Like who does that? And so I was terrified and got through the run. And I remember we went to a Mexican restaurant that night. I was just like eating all the chips and salsa. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) amazing um so anyway so we both trained like we did the training we both ran that marathon um and we broke up immediately thereafter so (laughs) (laughs) after that i started going to the charlotte running clubs and just stuck with it and um so then got in like i was definitely into marathons I, i think i probably did 10 marathons before i ever did a 5k um, anything like that so uh, but then started doing you know half marathons I kind of went backwards um, and how <laughs> I started running um, and then my first 50k was probably I think it was 2013 okay 13 or 14 um, at the Whitewater Center um, oh, yeah. uh, so unfortunately I had become injured right before it and completely severed a tendon in my foot, but ran it with a steel plate in my shoes. So I couldn't bend my foot, (laughs) (laughs) finished it. Ended up having to have foot surgery, but then started back on the marathons, basically marathon 50K until this year when I went up to the 50 miler. Yep, yep. And this is my 10th year of running. All right on, right on. Yeah, so um, what brought on the... um, the impetus to do a hundred miler? Well, I, I, you know, actually, so, but I did my first like real 50 miler this June, but before 2020, I did a 12 hour race where I didn't train for it at all. And, uh, was, you know, a small race. So, but I was the second female and I was like, well, you know, maybe my strength is in going longer. So why not try the hundred miler? And, um, (laughs) As you know, I like I had registered for Tunnel Hill last year, ended up getting injured, and thank goodness I didn't do it because um, I was definitely not prepared. Um, but you know, it was on it was on my list as a goal, so why not? Yeah, <laughs> not sure. getting any younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, with the the fifty miler, um, you know, we we talked a lot um, prior to the 50 miler, you know, about, you know, training with nutrition and like 
expectations for for pace and everything um which i think it it helped you know the 50 miler definitely helped you understand what <laughs> what was going to be uh necessary during the 100 miler so what were some of the takeaways from the 50 miler so i think the 50 miler i definitely started well like the 100 miler was my third time doing a race on the um, Virginia Creeper Trail this year. So the first one was a marathon in April where I definitely bombed down the downhill part. And I was like, okay, you cannot do that in the 50 miler. So <laughs> I was glad that I had done the marathon. So in the 50 miler, I definitely tried to keep it steady, but I assumed I could run 50 miles. You know, mm -hmm. like if I could kept it a easy enough pace um, that I could just jog it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was, that was not inaccurate. Um, I could not. So once I quit being able to run, I would, you know, run as much as I could and then walk and, um, you know, got through it pretty fine, I think, but, um, it made me think like, okay, I can't run a hundred miles, like no matter how, like how much I love jogging, like I'm not going to be able to jog a hundred miles. <laughs> so maybe think about, um, run walk strategy, I guess. Right on. Right on. Uh, well, and then you, you still finish really well in the 50 miler and that was the, 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 uh, damn Yeti 50 miler, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. um, talk a little bit about how that, that finished up for you. Well, I like, it started out cold and then it got warm, but probably not as warm as other years. So like once the, in, in some parts of the creeper trail is very exposed. So the heat, I think got to me a little bit and um, like, I'm not good with using aid stations. Um, I just can't eat normal food. So I had 11 gels stuck into my pockets in my shorts. I wore the rabbit mountain climber twos and I had 11 <laughs> gels in there and a handheld. And I just like, that's all I use the whole, I mean, I would refill my water bottle obviously, but um I thought when I was running it, I was like, I definitely don't want to do the hundred. Like, this is terrible. Like, why do people do this? This is super dumb. Um, and then, of course, you finish and you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that bad. So um, that's kind of how it went. <laughs> I was um, definitely glad to be done. <laughs> I, I understand. So, you know, using that strategy going into the Yeti 100, um, how did you, um, think about your, your pacing strategy, your run walk strategy? What, what did you think was going to be what you would use? So, um, a good friend of mine, Jeanette, um, she had, she was like the, a godsend and like helping me plan for this. And she, she has this little beeper called the gym boss and you can set it to whatever interval you want. And she was like, you need to do this. Like in her, her favorite interval was three, one. And I was like, yeah, three, one, I can go 10 minutes all day long. <laughs> I'm going to do 10 one. So I, uh, earlier this summer, like a lot of my long runs, I would just practice like different intervals. And, um, what ended up working out for me was four one. Okay. Um, and so I just decided I was going to do that from the start because all the other races I've ever, all the other long races I've done, I've just kind of ran until I had to walk and mm -hmm. that turns into like longer walks, I think. Cause the minute and a run walk like four one goes by super fast. Right. Um, 
So I just decided to do it from the beginning, not, you know, not get caught up in anything. And it, it makes for a pretty lonely run because, you know, you're starting mm. out with people and then you're mm. talking to them and you're like, oh, sorry, got to walk. Gotta walk. <laughs> um, but, you know, I stuck to it and I'm super glad I did. Did you use the gym boss? Yeah. You did. Nice. Okay. It's like 10 bucks on Amazon. It's amazing. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes. Cool. Um, right on. And then uh, so far as uh, nutrition, did you train change your strategy at all from the 50 to the 100? Well, like I told you, I think the day before the race, I had no strategy for nutrition. <laughs> like I, just, I just can't eat real food. I just can't do it. So um, I did plan out, like I looked at um, how many miles would, between eight stations and I kind of made prepackaged baggies for my husband and Jeanette were crewing me. And so whenever I got to a aid station, they could just hand me the baggie of food. Um, so I did do that. And um, what I ended up doing was one goo liquid gel mm -hmm. at, and I ate every 30 minutes, which I've never done in training. So like, don't listen to me, but like it, it worked <laughs> out. But one um, goo liquid gel, which goes down easy for me. And then the goo rotane mm -hmm. on the half hour. So just alternating those all day, all night. And I, initially I had, um, Roxane, the powder in my bottles. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, uh, like, I forgot to replenish. So I didn't have a lot. And the last one I had was caffeinated. And so this would have been at like mile 30 ish. And so I just went ahead and said, just go ahead and give me the caffeinated one. And it did not agree with me at all. So I was like projectile vomiting at like mile 40, okay. which, <laughs> not great no i felt terrible though like i was just like I'm, and, and then once i puked i felt amazing and i just switched <laughs> to plain water Man, very good so yeah so it like totally cured me i was like oh this is terrible um <laughs> but then it, it cured me that, that's great awesome that's awesome so awesome until i didn't <laughs> <laughs> very good so uh 30 minutes alternating the liquid versus the roctane okay yep. right on yep. um did you maintain that 4-1 pacing strategy throughout i did until jeanette um so things went south for me going up to i guess it was like mile 56 there was a seven mile up to green cove and that's when the weather really took a dive and it started pouring down rain it was really cold and i thought i was gonna freeze to death to be honest and um once i got up there I was like, I'm not going back out. Like, it's not. <laughs> so I completely changed clothes. I was in the bathroom and just like, you can hear the rain coming down. It's um, just like impossible to get back out there. But anyway, Jeanette, who was supposed to do the last 18 with me. And I, there was another girl that was at the aid station. I was like, do you want to run back down together? And she kind of looked at me like as an alien. So I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not happening so Jeanette was like do you want me to run back down with you and I said please 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 I no nice go out there by myself um and so we switched it to 3-1 at that point okay so like mile 65 we switched to 3-1 okay and then 3-1 to the finish yep yeah nice very good I um, mean there were definitely some places on the trail that were completely flooded and so I was like this is taking way too much energy to try to high knee it through this water yeah. i'll just walk um yeah. but no she kept me she kept me moving 
Right on. Right on. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, dealing with all of this this water, because obviously you had Hurricane Ian, which was a huge factor in this. Hundred miles is not hard enough. Let's throw in a hurricane. Um, let's talk about I was terrified. Yeah, I'm sure. I I mean, I was I was speaking with uh, Tori today, and she was saying that um, the the lead woman was struck by a branch and knocked out. And I mean, it just you know, incredible. Like uh, I'm I'm glad she's okay. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's just, I mean, wow. That what? wasn't Amanda. There's a runner from Charlotte area that was, I think, in the lead. He's an okay. amazing runner, and she ended up dropping, but. Yeah, yeah. They had to take her to the hospital to make sure she was okay, um, which, you know, thankfully she was. But, uh, it's yeah, you guys dealt with some uh, horrendous conditions. So um, what did you do? Because you know, we were talking, you know, when you were packing, and I was like, it probably would behoove you to probably get, you know, a really good shell. Did you end up finding anything? So I borrowed a lightweight rain jacket from a friend that I wore until mile 56. Like right before, I guess it was the aid station before you went up to the top. Mm-hmm. And I was going to wear that. And it was amazing running weather. I mean, it was like 50s probably in like drizzle, but it wasn't cold at all. But as I was leaving the aid station, I turned around and went back to the car and I, and I got a heavier raincoat, which definitely saved me because it got really nasty shortly thereafter. Like it was, I guess it was, it was still light when I was heading up. Um, and by the time I got to the top, it was dark and just terrible rain and mm. really cold. So um that lightweight jacket I ended up not needing that much but um I had a lululemon like completely waterproof bigger raincoat that I wore gotcha. under everything I ended up putting on like five layers but gotcha. that was always that was always on how did your your feet hold up so not bad I had like I didn't have any wool socks so I like Amazon Prime me some wool socks that thankfully came in time. Um, and I changed shoes three times, three times. Socks three times, well, actually socks four times, shoes three times. Okay. Um, what did you use for footwear? So I used road shoes. I did, um, Saucony endorphin speed for probably the first 50. And then I switched to the endorphin pro, which felt amazing. And then the last like 20 ish I did, just because my shoes were were just so gross from mud and water and everything. Because at the end, it was like you would go to the bridges and then you would just sink in the mud that was like leading up to the bridges. So just all the stuff in my shoes, I switched to the Nike vapor flies, which are not making me fly, but <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> right on. Interesting. I always like to hear what people use, uh, especially through those conditions. My goodness. Um, I don't have any trail shoes I love. So I, I like my feet are probably my, my problem place. So I need cushion mm-hmm. and I ran on the creeper trail enough to know I don't need trail shoes. So. Yeah. And did you have any, any, you know, foot problems to speak of? Not at really. Good. That's great. Yeah, which was amazing. I mean, my feet always start hurting at like mile 20 ish, but they don't start. It, it doesn't get worse. You know, gotcha. like it, like it gets to a point where it's uncomfortable, but then it kind of goes away. It doesn't get worse. So thankfully. Cool. And so your, your friend Janelle, was it? 
Jeanette. Jeanette, excuse me, Jeanette. Um, Jeanette picks you up. She's taking you back down. Um, mm-hmm. So she takes you back down to the bottom. Does she continue on or did you? Yeah, she ran the, in, the the rest of the way with me. Oh, my goodness. She's amazing. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you had a company uh, that you said that was 62? Yeah, so she ran like 38 miles with me. Wow, man. That's awesome. That's great. And she that's definitely a, saved friend. me. That's a good friend. I know because I was <laughs> by myself the entire time. Like I I wasn't expecting that, I guess. I thought that there would be people around me all the time. And generally from like mile 20 on, I was completely by myself. Really? Um, so I would not have liked it at night. Yeah. By myself. No. Right, right. Um, what did you use for, for lighting, especially in the rain? So I had, I bought a new um, Petzl headlamp that I ended up not using, but I used my um, Ultraspire waist lamp, but Jeanette had this like waist light that was like, you could probably see it from space. So like (laughs) hers was so bright that it made me not be able to see very well because she was running ahead of me and I was like, slow down, I can't see because the light's so bright. (laughs) Um, and I don't know what she had, but it was, it was intense. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, but yeah, the lower level light, that's, you know, that, that was brilliant. That's, that's the way to go yeah. in the rain. So kudos. Nice work. Um, excellent. Um, so, um, the, like you're doing the three, one interval to the finish. Um, any lows along the way there? No, I mean, I would, I would always like try to get more walk and cause I would be like, we can walk. I don't have a goal. We can walk. <laughs> we're good on time. And like We can, but we're not. Um, <laughs> and so anytime I would eat, I'd be like, it takes me a long time to eat. I can't run and eat. We got to walk. <laughs> um, so I was, I was definitely doing that, but no, I, I mean, once she joined me, yeah, I think it calmed my nerves and, um, it just helped me so much. Like, I don't think I had gotten like when we got to aid stations and I would be freezing again while I was like changing clothes, I wouldn't want to go back out. You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was definitely hard to make myself go back out in the rain because they had like these nice bathrooms that are all warm, you know, (laughs) like they're real (laughs) bathrooms. (laughs) Like definitely not leaving this, (laughs) but no, I'm, 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 I'm glad I stuck it out for sure. <laughs> uh, had Jeanette uh, crude and paste before? Yeah, she's like an expert. She loves yeah. it. And that's yeah. awesome. And okay. I, I'm like a solo runner. Like I just generally go to races by myself and, you know, don't even use aid stations. So I, d- I didn't even ask her until like two weeks ago. Because <laughs> I was like, I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, maybe I do want to pace her. Um, <laughs> and thankfully she asked off work and she's a trooper and your husband had he ever crewed before no no what do you think so good he's like he's like a finance accounting guy so he's like spreadsheet central and he had like the spreadsheet where like he was gonna clock me in and out of eight stations and he (laughs) he was on it he had everything like laminated so i was in good hands with him nice he was definitely glad that jeanette was with them before she started running with me because by that point he had kind of figured it out. Um, but she had, she had crewed people before there and she's, she's ran this race in 2020. So she's familiar with it. Right. On. And what did, uh, what did he think of the experience? 
Um, he thinks I'm crazy for sure, but um, <laughs> I think he had fun. I mean, we had some other friends from Charlotte there. And so, you know, I wish it wasn't raining and where everyone would just like sit in their car the whole time waiting. Cause I think he would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Um, but I, I think he enjoyed it nice. more than he thought, I, you know, you see people doing this and it's, it has to affect you in some way. Yeah. So, yeah absolutely. No, he's proud of me. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> as he should be, as he should be. That's fantastic. Um, cool. So, um, uh, yeah, you've, you've said that you maintained that interval all the way to the finish. Um, talk a little bit about the finish. What did that feel like to you? What did that mean to you? So we got, we were getting close to the finish and my watch had died. So I wasn't even sure how far, but there were, I guess there were benches and she was like, we're getting close. We're getting close. And I was like, so we were running through the walk things. And I was like, if it beeps one more time, we're walking. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we, and then we could see the finish and, you know, it's, my husband was there. Um, some of our, my other um, girlfriends from Charlotte had come up to surprise um, me and the, the other people from Charlotte that were running. And it, it was awesome. Um, it was so, it just, you know, you're just so glad to be done. You can't believe it. <laughs> Absolutely. Was that your favorite moment of the event or was there another? Um, I mean, definitely finishing is a favorite moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. There were some funny things like while we were running when um, with me and Jeanette that it was enjoyable. Like yeah. I enjoyed the miles that we shared together. So that was fun. Wow. Too. That's awesome. That's but then you like, you finish and you're like freezing to death again. So you're like, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, any big takeaways or, or lessons that you learned from it? I would definitely recommend. So I didn't have a, like a finished time goal. I just wanted to complete the yeah, race right. um, and I think that helped me um, I think starting the 4-1 from the very beginning helped me mm -hmm. um, definitely like taking the time to change clothes even I think I had like two hours of like downtime you know like mm -hmm. not worrying about you know how much they always say like in and out of aid stations but for me like I don't know if I would have not changed clothes one of the times if that would have just screwed me, you know? Mm -hmm. So like for me and my, my goal was to complete the race. So um, right. just taking the time to make sure you're not to lessen the misery between aid stations, I guess, when it's that kind of running weather um, running conditions. Yeah, sure. Right on. Right on. Um, when you, you've had some time to kind of reflect on it, um, I mean, it sounds like a positive experience when, when you look back on it, um, you know, obviously the, the weather, like you said, was, was a factor, but was there anything that you, you were like, I didn't satisfy this urge or I would like to do this differently. I mean, yeah, I would like to do it. I guess if I did what this one in particular, again, I would probably want to do it for, um, not just to complete it, to see how well I could do it um, and hope the weather was better. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, you know, you you walk out and you're like not beat up. So you're like, why why am I not beat up? You know, <laughs> yep, it's kind yep. of a letdown in that <laughs> in <laughs> some weird way. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 
so would you do would you do another one i mean not necessarily yeti but would you do another hundred do you think uh um i think i would like like i think i told you like i'm just ready to go back to marathons like and i think the reason was i even though their training wasn't that much different than a marathon i don't think um but i think i'm getting soft for the summer training weather so like this race is perfect for the time of year other than freaking hurricane coming, but like <laughs> perfect for the time of year, but it's really bad for training, you know? Yeah. So I wouldn't want to do a cold hundred. Um, right. uh, so it's kind of like, how do you, how do you train when it's nice, but not race when it's freezing kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Right. I'm, I'm not really a fair weather runner, but I mean, a hundred miler, I would prefer some nice weather. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah. You might have to travel for, for something like that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so what, what do you think is coming up? What do you think is next? So I did register for Boston and I've, I've done it two times there and then one time virtual, but I've never really had it as a goal race. So I think I would like, and that might change. I mean, I might find another ultra that I want to just use it as a training run for but um as of now i want to actually train for it and see because it is a downhill course i think i'm decent downhill runner so um we'll see um what's your what's your overall pr for the marathon 318 318 right on and so would you like to try to break that at boston well i mean i'm older now um, I mean, I was, I think I was like 46, 45 when I did the 318. So not terribly long ago, but it just seems like light years ago. <laughs> sure. Um, and it was a downhill course. So my like PR on a not downhill course is 320. Okay. Mm, it's not much off. <laughs> Very cool. Well, well see, I, mean, I mean, yeah, Boston's a cool experience. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, so I understand the the want to go back. I actually just talked with uh, two of the, the ladies that just did uh, Berlin and London, you know, from our team. And, uh, you know, they're, they're chasing the, uh, the major six. Uh, do you have any inkling of doing anything like that? No. <laughs> I don't. I mean, maybe not. I just don't get a, enough vacation to mm -hmm. have all of my vacation time be to go to races. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's just not a realistic goal for me right now yeah no i get it that's that's fair are there any bucket list marathons that you want to do um, not really no? i mean i really like the charlotte marathon i mean mm -hmm. so i'm i mean I, if i feel good i might just do that with some friends um cool. it's november 5th i think uh, nice i mean I, I like to stay local kind of yeah yeah like you said, you don't want to wait. I mean, I would love to do Berlin, but I just like yeah. again summer training. And it just the terrible. two of them, uh, you know, their episode will will be coming out. But the two of them um, said that actually London was uh, was a much better experience than Berlin was. Yeah. Um, and they said you know, part of it was safety issues. They just felt like safety and security at Berlin just was non-existent. Yeah. Well, they just didn't feel safe on the course. Uh, whereas you know London. They had security everywhere. So, um, but the end, like really in Berlin, there was just the one monument, the gate that you run through. Whereas in London, you go 
all over the place and see tons of stuff in London, which is really cool. So um, not to, not to sway. I've never been to London, so yeah. that would be cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, well, cool. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, um, anything else we should touch on that you, uh, you know, you thought of maybe during the event or uh, post event? Uh, any thoughts on a hundred mile or your advice to uh, a first timer? like your food like I just put it in Ziploc bags labeled with um, what mile and aid station was really helpful because the first few aid stations I was in and out in like 10 seconds because I didn't they I had extra bottles they could give me I just got my new bottles and my bag of food and went on my way so those 17 seconds ended up into hours at the later aid stations <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because of the warm bathrooms. <laughs> yes, exactly. I even took my little camp chair in the bathroom. Speaking <laughs> of <down, laughs> <drinking> my broth. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Um, and so what was your um, overall finish time and place? Uh, I think it was 22 and a half. I think I was ninth female. Nice. Very nice. That's, that's tremendous. Um, congratulations. Um, is there a way people can connect with you? Um, so on Strava, I think it's just Leah Lanier. Um, and then same on Facebook, Leah Lanier. Instagram, I think, is Leah Lash Lanier. I will... I'm not very interesting on um, any of those unless you want to see my pets. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like first-timers may have questions and such and, and want to reach out because you obviously had a very successful first attempt at a 100-miler in weather that was beyond dismal. So <laughs> yeah, you thought, oh, this girl is definitely not going to finish this as much as I talked about the cold rain. I was like, <laughs> the, the group I was with, they're like, Leah, stop. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm scared. Oh, uh, no, you're, you're a tough lady. Um, <laughs> we got to we got to see each other at the Blue Ridge Relay. And, yeah. you know, you, you showed some grit there, too. That was uh, there, there wasn't the greatest weather at that one. You know, right. no comparison to to Yeti, but <laughs> warmer there. Yeah, it was a little bit warmer. And so uh, but no, I, I have no doubt that that you could do it. And I mean, you're you're a tough lady. So <laughs> proud of you. That's awesome. Um, well, Leah, I really want to say thank you for your time. Uh, you, you shared a great story. I hope that, uh, some people could take some, I'm sure they'll take some things away from it. So thank you for sharing all that. Thanks, Absolutely. And congratulations once again. <laughs> Thanks for getting me there. <laughs> okay. My next guest is Janelle Goodman. Janelle, how are you today? I'm doing great. <laughs> That's awesome. How are you recovering? Um, remarkably well, I have to say a week ago. And I really didn't expect that today I would feel as good as I do. I actually feel like I could go running, though I haven't yet. <laughs> um, but really, my body feels pretty good. And um, my biggest problem was my big toe. Um, I think I probably will lose a toenail, but that actually I can put shoes on again and it's recovering really well. So good. it's good. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. We'll, we'll talk about what might have led to that uh in our conversation but why don't you start off with uh introducing yourself and, and a bit about yourself your background your running history all that good stuff sure so i'm janelle goodman i live in scarborough maine and i have a husband and two children 
Uh, my day job is I work in early childhood education. So I work with babies all day and do administration. So a very busy, active job, along with love just being outside all the time. Um, it's my favorite thing to do, all <laughs> kinds of weather. Um, I started running probably about 25 years ago. Um, I'm actually very old. I turned 50 this year. Shocking, <laughs> I know, if you know me. Um, and I started as kind of a weight loss thing. I actually hated running. I um, never did sports as a kid. I never did college or high school sports. I was like that shy, scared little girl who was afraid of making mistakes and had no self-confidence. Um, so I started and I hated it at first. I was, this was terrible. Um, but then I quickly learned that it was actually a really good time for just me. And I loved it, especially when I had kids. Like <laughs> I mean, when I have young kids, they look at it as their like time for themselves to go out and run and nobody <laughs> time to just myself that even though it was hard work it was um refreshing and enjoyable so that's kind of and then about 10 years ago i started getting into trail running um and i really just loved the atmosphere of just kind of didn't matter how fast you were it didn't matter how good you were it's just about being outside and just being getting dirty um <laughs> and just really fun atmosphere and vibe and i loved that um, and then I just very slowly started kind of getting into bigger distances. I've always been more of a middle distance runner. I love half marathons. I love 10Ks. Um, <laughs> those are always kind of my sweet spot. I've literally only done one road marathon in my life and I hated it. Um, <laughs> so the idea of running 100 miles was completely insane in my mind um, for a long time. I was like, people are crazy who think that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> so I started, I did a few 50 Ks. I ended up doing two 50 milers. Um, and then last November I did a 24 hour race. And in that 24 hour race, I was able to get 75 miles in, in 20 hours. And I felt awesome. And I felt like the next day I was like, wow, nothing really hurts that bad. And that was really fun. And <laughs> this is cool. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe someday I could do a hundred. And I started slowly thinking about, <laughs> about looking for races. Um, so that's kind of how I started and decided to um, jump into try my first 100. Yeah, right. And so what brought on Yeti? What made you decide on Yeti? I did a lot <laughs> of research and um, trying, I really tried to find a good time of year for me. Mm -hmm. um, it was like being in education it's hard to actually have a fall race, but I absolutely hate running in the heat. So summer races were kind of not ideal for me. And I really didn't want to, um, I just like, I'm in, you know, obviously near Vermont, that's a really big first 100 for a lot of people here, but it's always in July and hot. So, um, and I followed Jason Green for many years, just kind of, you know, through podcasts and a lot of, especially during COVID, he did a lot of um, challenges that were virtual that I loved to join in and followed his page. Um, so I kind of decided maybe a Yeti race would be fun. That just seemed to have a great vibe. <laughs> um, so, and I'm really happy that it was the race I chose ending up that it was a rail trail race. I live right off of a rail trail. So the training piece was really um you know, good for me. And I also knew I wanted a race that I felt like I could be successful at. Mm -hmm. And I know that the Yeti 100 has a pretty good success rate. Um, I wouldn't say it's easy. I don't think any 100 mile races are easy, right. but I knew that the support of the aid stations and how close they were um, and kind of the terrain would probably be a more successful race for me. Cool. 
let's go back to the 75 miler for a second or the 24 hour event that you were talking about. And, you know, you came out of that with, the, with such a, a positive experience. Um, what do you think you attribute that to? What went right? Yeah, that's, it's interesting. I think I've learned a lot from me personally as a runner. The weather is a huge factor for me. And for that day, it was kind of just a perfect weather day. Temperature wise, it was probably like in the 40s, 50s throughout the day. Um, it was, it was a loop race. It was a three mile loop, which also felt like mind numbing when I thought about doing it. I was like, who runs three miles for 25, four hours? But the race was varied enough, the course, that it didn't ever get old. And it felt really, it was just a really fun atmosphere. And the piece of that race too, is every three miles, we were back to our own gear. So it was kind of, for me, that also reminded me probably a race where either aid stations or things, access to my bag would be really important because for me it was really helpful to have that my stuff close by every even though I still run with a backpack and all of that but just if I needed something different having access to that was really helpful um and it was fun and it was just a lot of like I think for me being out there with people who just made it really fun and cheered you along the way that was really important so I think those were really the reasons I was successful okay and, you know, obviously a slight difference when you go to Yeti, you know, obviously not a looped course, not as frequent access to your gear. So how did you adjust for that? So it was interesting. I had someone suggest to me to have three different packs and have your crew meet you after like 25 miles. And basically your pack was already packed up with everything you need and you just switched out your bag. Um, and that helped for me a lot. Just basically I'd run into my crew would meet me at 25 miles. They'd give me a fresh new backpack and I would just run. And I had all that I needed in that backpack. Um, it got, as the day went on, that got a little bit harder just because there were things that I kept having to put over to my next bag. Like we had to carry a tracker. Um, I kept wanting my cup and my bowl because it's a cupless race. There was just a few things like that that I kept switching into my new bag every time. So in the end, it was kind of like, maybe it wasn't that what I needed as much. Um, but really I carried everything with me as far as my nutrition and my beverage, like my drinks, my water, my tailwind. So that was really helpful. And then I was really lucky to run with someone who her family came and they were her crew and they were at every stop and they were super organized. Like they had, we would run up and they had like five people willing to help and get you whatever you needed. <laughs> and they were just amazing. So unlike my crew and my stuff was just in the back of a rental car, even though I had everything, it was like, we we're trying to search for it. And it was just kind of, I thought it was organized, but I realized I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> what type of organizational things do you think if you did something like that again, uh, what do you think you would change organizationally? That's a really great question. I think the biggest thing was they had the, a clear container, like a clear tote, and they had everything in that tote. And I think truly just having so many people that knew where everything was, was really helpful. So they could like very easily when I was like, hey, you know, I would love a piece of sandwich or I would love a candy bar. Like they all knew where everything was really quickly. So that was really helpful. And the clear tote was super helpful. And they, like I said, were so organized i thought it was organized i had stuff in baggies but they were like everywhere <laughs> it just didn't feel quite as organized i oh, gotcha gotcha uh how much time would you say you spent in the aid stations like, over the duration of the race so that's really i made it a real point to not spend time in the aid stations i knew just from experience of other people racing that like spending too much time in aid stations could kind of eat away your race so i was trying to be really thoughtful and especially for the first 12 hours when the weather was pretty good, I really didn't spend much time at all. I would kind of go in and 
I had all the stuff I needed. Nothing at the aid stations was really that different that was making me like want it more. Um, when I stopped, it was with the crew and meeting my friend's crew. And it was really kind of, I was waiting for her. I wanted to kind of stay with her. Um, so I would say it was, but each time it was a couple minutes, if that, it was literally running in, grabbing a sandwich, um, you know, put some biofreeze on your lower back if it hurt. That was really it. Um, it got in towards the end of the night. Well, middle of the night was when we spent a little bit more time at the aid stations, obviously, because the weather just predicted we had to spend some more time changing stuff out. Yeah. Right. Um, and we'll talk about the weather because uh, that was definitely a huge part of this race. Um, yeah. um, let's go back though and talk about your, your mindset going into this event, right? Like you had a positive experience at 75 miles, you're moving up in distance, you know, another quarter um, of, of that distance. And um, how did that, um, I guess, how did that feel to you? Did you, were you in a positive frame of mind? Were you, I mean, you know, obviously there's nerves, <laughs> but um, were you excited about it? Um, did you feel pretty positive about it? Um, you know, did you feel confident? Those are great questions. And I have to say, through the summer for my training, I believe so strongly in mindset. I read all the books. I listened to all the podcasts. I believe, and I love learning about it. I love thinking about it. Like I said, I, I believe so strongly that mindset is huge for success. Um, and this summer, I felt really, through my training, I felt great. I felt like I was doing all the right things. My runs were great. When I did my longest event, I felt so great because I had some hard days, but like every day, next day, I could go out and I was killing it in my mind. I, I was so happy. Um, and then probably two weeks before the race, I went out for a run, a training run, and I kind of tweaked my upper glute and the hamstring, and it like totally just deflated me. I felt like I was like start questioning myself, really worrying about what was going to go wrong. Was I going to get injured? Was I not going to be able to succeed? Um, and I was super stressed. Like, I, I think that one of the reasons why I think about if I would want to do another hundred miles was, is thinking about how much stress I felt the couple of weeks leading up to it and just how I worried so much about if I could be successful. And even though I kept like reminding myself that mindset was huge and I would go out for a run and I would listen to podcasts and I would get in the right frame of mind. And then I felt like three hours later, I would just kind of fall apart again. And just, it was such a weird thing. So I went into the race, especially with the weather forecast being what it was just so stressed out and so just anxious about it that it was crazy because like I said, my summer felt so positive. I loved the training. I felt like I was right on. Um, and, and I kept, you know, everyone I knew was saying to me like, you've got this, you've got this, you can do it. Um, and I knew that I think deep down, but I still just had so many doubts going into it. And that was because of the, the injury or I think the injury and the weather were the two biggest factors. The biggest things. Yeah. Uh, had you ever, well, it's hard to compare what running through a tropical depression, but have you ever run, you know, in a, a distance race of any length in that type of conditions? Not really. I mean, I love, it's funny because I feel like I actually do really, I do better when the weather's kind of crappy because I feel like I'm not the fastest runner. I'm definitely not the most pretty runner. I definitely screw things up, but I have grit. Like I don't mind, I, I find a lot of like 
strength in working yeah. through really hard stuff. Sure. So I had, I definitely had run in races that were rainy and kind of yucky and snowstorms and, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but definitely, I think the hundred mile distance was what was kind of stressing me out and freaking me out. Yeah, I got you. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's easy when something arises, like weather, for instance, and you've experienced something in the past and you rely on that experience and you're like, oh, well, this is what I did that worked or I tried this and it didn't work. So I probably don't want to do that again. Um, but, you know, if, if you don't have that experience, hopefully you have somebody on your crew <laughs> that can kind of help problem solve. Did you have that scenario? Well, and it's funny because uh, you're reminding me that part of the problem was that this summer we had a drought. And I think right. I said that to you, like, main experience to drought. I don't think I ran one time this summer in the rain. So it was that piece, too. And so on my crew, not really. I think that everybody, we were all kind of in the same boat, like, what the hell is this going to look like? <laughs> and part of it, the rain, the forecast just kept changing. It was like, it was one day it was going to be sunny and then it was going to be raining and it was just going to slightly rain. And <laughs> it was just like, I felt like every day I looked at the weather forecast, I was going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you talk about your, your crew and uh, your pacers for a moment and just kind of tell us how that was set up? Yes. Yeah, so um, I, my crew and pacers were the same people. So obviously we flew from Maine. So that was, and we went to Virginia. So asking, you know, people to take off time from work and go travel with you is, is a big ask. So I was really excited. Um, my two best adventure buddies, as I call them, are Rachel Flaxman and Susan Haverstadt. And um, we, we just do everything together. We always Anytime we're out doing crazy adventures, we're, it's the three of us. Um, my friend Susan has run 100 miles, and I paced her. Um, and, and also Rachel's run some 50 milers. They also were all at um, the 24-hour races we've done. We've done them all together. Um, like I said, we just, we really do everything together. So it's, it's great. Like they're the perfect, as far as crew and pacers go, they know me so well, and they know what I need. Um, and they're just the perfect, I couldn't have asked for perfect people to join me on that adventure. So nice. it's great. Right on. And how did the, the pacing, how did that split up? How'd you work that? So it was great. Both of them have also had some injuries. Um, so they kind of, I, you know, really said to them, like, whatever you guys can be out there for, it would be great. Um, but, you know, don't push yourself. I didn't want them to injure themselves either. They decided amongst themselves that um, one friend would come in at 56 miles and that she'd run with me and the second friend would come in at 75. Um, and it just kind of, and it worked out. It was perfect because like when, when my 50, the runner came in at 56 miles, I was like so excited to have her and just like for new company, a fresh face. Yeah. Um, and they're very different pacers. So she was, you know, a little bit more all business and kind of running a little bit ahead of me. And, and I would kind of joke, I'd be like, listen, like, I'm not trying to race for you. We're like, <laughs> um, but we were just, you know, it was so fun and had a great time. And then, uh, my friend came in at 75 and she was just like, she just, I felt like could read everything I needed. Like I didn't have to talk to her. She was like always right beside me. And if I stopped running, she stopped running and <laughs> just, she was really, and also because she had the, she was a more experienced runner. I could say to her, like when I really didn't want to eat anymore at mile like 85, eat still, you know, and she was like, you should probably still keep eating. You know? <laughs> so it was really, it just felt good to have that, you know, experience with me too at that time. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like leading up to that, because obviously when you pick up a pacer, the darker moments are easier to deal with, but when you're by yourself, you know, that's, there's, there's some tough times. Did you face any of those in that first uh, 56 miles? So I'm super lucky. I never ran alone. So crazy story was that I met a woman about two weeks before the race 
um, I was asking Jason Green a question on the Yeti Facebook page. And I mentioned that I was from New England and she saw my post and she's like, hey, I'm from New England too. And so she looked me up. We literally live half an hour away from each other. Oh, wow. Never knew that we were both doing the race. So in those two weeks before the race, we like, we ran together. We kept, you know, Facebook messaging and, and texting <laughs> each other a ton. And we decided to... Um, running we kind of decided we would stay together as long as it felt good to both of us we wanted to run on races but we knew um we both you know just being together would be kind of nice for us both having our first 100 mile race um and it was perfect because she's a way better like fast walker than i am and i definitely think i would i kind of pushed her at times to run a little bit more than maybe she would have wanted to and for those first 12 hours we were just trying to put some miles in the bank even though we were so kind of torn because we didn't want to go out too fast and we didn't want to burn ourselves out, but we also knew what was coming up that we wanted to do a little bit better than, you know, what we originally set out to do. Um, and we would just, we ended up being a really good team together and we stayed together until we both picked up our first pacer. Nice. And then in the end, we both kind of went off. She was hurting. She was hurting a lot more than I was at that point. And so she had to slow down and walk a lot more. Um, I see. So it worked out perfectly. Nice. Can you talk about your pacing strategy? <laughs> so I had really great plans. I used Ultra Pacer, which was a great, a great tool to use. Tried to really in the beginning stick with it. It basically was kind of having me go in at like a 13 minute mile pace um, for like a 26 hour finish. Um, and then kind of as the day went on, I would go up to like a 15 um, to 16 minute mile pace. Um, I have to say during the race, I, it, I threw it out the window. I totally like, I was just like, well, whatever. I'm not, I'm trying not to go fast. I'm going to try to walk, but I couldn't, I really tried hard not to look at my watch a lot. For me, it's better for me not to know how much time I have left to not think about the miles ahead of me. So I was struggling with that aspect of it. Um, it was nice because Shannon, who I was running with, she was very much like looking at her pace and looking at her watch. And she kept saying, you know, we're on 24 hour pace where, you know, and all this, and I was just like, yeah, don't tell me. I just want <laughs> as long as I'm still moving and going, it's great. Um, so I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the pace as much as I maybe should have, and I got lucky that it worked out for me okay, that I was able to move through the race well enough the whole time. Um, but I, I'm a terrible pacer, <laughs> as you know, as you know, for being my coach, I never could get, get that down. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out in the end. Um, so, you know, as we discussed earlier, obviously the weather moved in and, you know, the rain was, was definitely a factor. Um, what did you have with you that kind of helped you through that? So thankfully, I think being from New England, I had a leg up than maybe from some people I was used to having, and I had a lot of gear with me. Um, surprisingly though, the first thing I was going to put on was my, I had a great raincoat and I looked everywhere. I was like, where's my raincoat? Where's my raincoat? I somehow forgot my raincoat at home, which oh, no. seems, I know crazy. I was like, how could I have forgotten that? Um, but thankfully my friend, my, one of my pacers, she's like, just wear mine. It's fine. It'll dry out by the time I need it, which was totally not true. Um, she was just super sweet. Um, so I ended up really, you know, there's just, it, the rain was so intense. It was unavoidable. Like we were so like, just couldn't stay dry. Um, the things that became really the hardest to contend with was my hands were cold. And even though I had, I had two different pairs of gloves, I had hand warmers. It just, they got drenched immediately and there's nothing. The hand warmers, once they got wet were cold and didn't work anymore either. So 
it was, and I was lucky enough. I feel like that I didn't, you know, tank out so much in the beginning of the race when I felt good that I had the that was what happened and why Shannon and I decided to split up because I kept saying I have to keep running because I'm cold and she was like couldn't keep running she just wanted to walk fast and um so I could and keep my hands kind of warm there's nothing I could do to, to warm those up other than run um my feet were also obviously just you know you're sweat like I changed my shoes once um and that was terrible like it was such a it was a terrible experience of the blisters and trying to put on new shoes and oh. just all of that was was really hard but um they just they were like my feet were swimming the entire time right just washing along <laughs> <laughs> uh you know having that experience was there anything that you learned from it that you might have done differently gear wise or yeah i don't know what else i could have done gear wise we had we did run someone had suggested we're using ponchos like a cheap poncho um and i did use a poncho and that did help a little bit but again it was kind of like the poncho was only good for like mid my mid arm would get and be showing right and so then it was like i even had gore-tex gloves i thought those would maybe keep the rain out for a little bit longer and they didn't they were soaked immediately so i don't really know what else i could have done differently and i haven't seen from like facebook posts or anything from anyone that said oh this was like the magic thing that worked for me um i don't know what else i could have done to keep that rain out gotcha um I know uh, Tori, one of our other runners, she was saying that she used a trash bag and turned it into like a skirt. She like cut open the bottom and used the ties and that kept her lower half, you know, drier. I mean, you know, the only thing I could really think of is creating like using a trash bag and making like mitts, you know, and kind of taping your hand, and making mitts um, to go in between, you know, aid stations. But um, yeah, I mean, even the waterproof gloves that are out there that, you know, they're, they're limited as well. At a certain point, your hands do get wet. So that's, that's really hard. Um, I was just curious if you had heard anything, but, um, what, uh, what did you use for socks and footwear? What were your choices? So I used darn tough socks and I had my ultra friends. I started out and as you know, Aaron, I struggled all summer with trying to find the right shoes. I ended up um, with some blister problems, which I had never experienced before. Um, after a race last, I think it was February, I had a race and it they came up. Um, and so I really just struggled all summer with trying to find the exactly right. Shoe. I think I bought five different pairs of running shoes this summer, <laughs> never was completely happy with what I had. Um, so I, but I wore darn tough socks and I wore um, my ultras. I had two different pairs of ultras. And interestingly, the places where my blisters were this summer that were such a problem is not at all what happened. Like those two toes were completely fine <laughs> for this race. Like it was the blisters were everywhere else. So <laughs> I, I never think know. I learned that all the things that you worry about in training, don't worry, because that race day they won't happen. <laughs> it's gonna be something else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um what was uh what was your favorite memory of this race? Um, uh, I think my favorite memory was um, there's obviously a few but one of the things my family um, made little quotes for me and little like little things about like um, positive affirmations that they put in a little bag for me so before the rain I was able to read a few of those and it was just so sweet the different things the wishes they had for me the comments they had they made me laugh they made me cry um, was, you know they were with me which was was amazing 
um, that was great. And then of course that, you know, running into the finish and just finally, like I always joked all summer long, like this is a lot of work for a Jason Green hug. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's what I yelled when I ran into the finish line. Like this has been a lot of work for us. <laughs> um, and just felt so just like I did it. I can't believe I did it. Um, yeah. So it was amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Um, so um, let's touch on one thing before we talk about the finish and your result. Um, talk about what did your family perceive this? Like, talk about what they thought, you know, prior to the race. What are they, what were they thinking? What were they saying? What was that conversation um, like? Yeah, I am sure, like probably most family members, my family thinks I'm absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, I think they just, they're in awe and they're impressed, but at the same time shake their head and are just like, why <laughs> you know they're just like every i i laughed at the airport i i said ran into someone and i said oh i'm nervous and they said why are you nervous i said well i'm about to run 100 miles and he's like why like <laughs> and I, that i feel like that's what my family they've obviously seen me just through many years of doing crazy stuff so they're a little bit more used to it um and i know how proud they were after this which was so amazing just you know because you know as you go through the training and you're doing all this stuff and it takes away from your life you know sometimes you feel bad and you worry that your family is like kind of getting upset with you um but in the end when they were so impressed and happy and proud it, it was just such a great feeling too so that's wonderful that's yeah. wonderful um can you talk about what your response is when somebody asks you why what do you say <laughs> you know it's a it's a really hard question i feel like because there's, there's many levels to this, right? You know, obviously I always say like on the surface, my why is that I just love being outside. I just, if, if I could live outside, I would like, it's just <laughs> being outside all day long to me is so fulfilling. Um, but really my deeper why is because I feel like it's really important to push yourself in life and to try hard things and to do things that are kind of unbelievable and unexpected. And I think that it's so easy to be complacent in life and to just do your everyday thing, go to work and go home. And, you know, um, I don't find joy in that. I find joy in doing things that are different. And I find joy in working really hard and doing hard things. Um, and I like pushing myself. And so nice. that's really my why. I really like to push myself to do hard things and see what happens. <laughs> well, I mean, you did this hard thing, which was amazing. Um, talk about your result. How did you end up? So I, um, I finished in 25 hours and seven minutes or something like that. Um, it's funny. My husband could totally tell you all the stats and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I finished in 25 hours. Um, and I like, it's funny the way ultra sign up coming, you know, usually races, you can find out where you are obviously. And, you know, um, you know, your age group and all that. I looked quickly. I can't quite remember. I think I was 16th, maybe in my age group. Um, I can't even remember what it was exactly. Um, but I do know that I've heard about half of the field that started did not finish. So um, that to me is really impressive. I do remember feeling when I was running, I was like, how is it that like, there's, I feel like there should be more people behind me. How come no, like, I feel like 25 <laughs> hours is a really good time. Where is everybody? <laughs> um, I think that because a lot of the people that started, unfortunately didn't finish because of the weather. So right. um, again, super happy. Like for me, just finishing was my number one, was my number one goal. I had goals of like 26 hours, um, 28 hours at the worst, but um I think especially once the weather came through and it all started, I was just happy to be, to be done and to, and to say I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, two things there, talk about your, your takeaways and then talk about any advice you would give to a first timer. 
for a hundred wow. miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say the the takeaways are that the the things that seem really hard are so worth it and that not to let yourself get too crazy and anxiety beforehand and the pre-race stress um, and all the worries. Like I said, the things that I worried about all summer long, none of it came to fruition. Like all the things it was so, I felt like this race was going to be so hard and it was hard. It was not easy, but it was not nearly as hard as I had made up in my mind. I, I freaked myself out so much. Um, and I think as far as advice for first timers, I would say find a race that, will work with you and what makes you excited something that maybe something you can train for that you can duplicate a little bit for me that worked really well um and finding for me having someone with me the entire time was really amazing and even if it's you go to the race and you hopefully meet new people there and along the way um but you know that was really important um and i loved having a coach i mean aaron i thought having a coach was i've told i tell everybody this like having a coach made me successful your oh. your plan um seriously working with you all summer and before we've, we've been together for like eight months actually um <laughs> just those tr the training runs i did i never felt like i was pushing myself like beyond what i could do i felt like it was reasonable for the family life it was reasonable for work um Good. And, and but you also did push me and help me see that you know I could do different things besides just go run for twelve hours on Saturday <laughs> and, and be ready for. Um, yeah, my awesome. biggest advice would be get a coach. For sure. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> and anything planned for the future? Well, <laughs> um, I keep saying a week later, I'm still not quite ready to sign up for another hundred. <laughs> That's fair. Um, <laughs> but I do, uh, you know, I, I feel like you and I will have a conversation at some point, probably about what, you know, what I would like to do next. Sure. And, you know, I'm kind of, my husband keeps saying, how about you just go for some 50 Ks and go a little faster? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I do, I do enjoy running a little bit of speed runs and, you know, making things a little faster at times. I'm not sure this old body can still do that, but um <laughs> I, I do say that it was really fun to push myself out of my comfort zone. So good. Who knows? That's awesome. Uh, and if folks want to connect with you, is there a good way to do so? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, obviously I'm on Facebook, so you can definitely reach out on Facebook yeah. um, and find me there. And really, if anyone has questions, especially um, Aaron has my contact information. So anyone could, you know, ask Aaron about that. And I'm happy to, especially if you're thinking about Yeti for your first 100, I'm happy to talk about that. Awesome. Very cool. Thank you so much, Janelle. And congratulations on your finish. That's awesome. So happy for you, especially given the conditions that you guys went through. So that's tremendous. So congratulations to you. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Aaron. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, I thank you for joining me today. It's, it's really was fun hearing your story and, and getting to to hear the, the, the backstory behind it all. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you. All right. My next guest here, Josh, the moose. Trocler, how are you, Josh? I'm doing all right. <laughs> Excellent, man. How are you recovering? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just every day is kind of like a new soreness, and <laughs> I probably took on a little too much this weekend. I had to help my mom close down her trailer, and I had to help my aunt close her pool for the season, so I had to take a polar plunge yesterday to get her ladder out of the pool. Whew. So uh, the ice bath probably helped. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. What was the, uh, what was the most sore after your race? 
Uh, well, probably, I mean, the first day afterwards, my left knee was pretty weak. I couldn't lift that leg up too much. Hmm. Um, but we put some uh, KT tape on it just to kind of support it. And then um, I guess the day after that, the knee pretty much, I guess that maybe two or three days, the knee really stopped being sore and I was able to get my full range of motion. And then it just kind of, the feet for a couple of days, some edema there, lower legs, swollen, you know, had to go back to work and I got to wear steel toe shoes at work. So Oof. those aren't the most comfortable. No. Needs to wear. So. Right. But was the, was the knee an old injury or something that manifested? I, I, just, I just think that my left side is, um, I pulled that piriformis muscle a couple of years ago doing deadlifts. So. I just think that side, I, you know, my, my IT bands definitely, you know, towards the end, we're getting a little weak, you know, luckily there wasn't too many Hills on this course. So, yeah, yeah. but you know, just legs get tired after a while. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, is, is, uh, the strength training, um, do you know, is that something that you've been kind of religious about still or no? Uh, yeah, you know, the past, I I would say my training leading up the two months leading up to 100 probably wasn't the best, you know, we had St. Louis has just been such a top box with humidity. I mean, I'm running at one 30 in the morning, one o'clock in the morning and it's still upper eighties, you know, high humidity and, you know, just trying to get my runs in work and then we had a death in the family and you know it just was kind of like life circumstances just kind of creep up and so yeah right yeah no you, you did have a lot leading up to the race which is you know certainly something we can we can touch on um but uh you know of course i know you josh but <laughs> a lot of listeners may not so why don't you introduce yourself um my name's josh treckler um I turned 47 this year. Um, I don't really have the typical running background. I mean, I, I played a lot of sports as a kid, you know, soccer. And then as I got bigger, I went into football and wrestling. Uh, as far as track goes, the only thing I ever did was throw shot put and discus. So, and in high school, actually my best sport was chess. (laughs) So, um, so running, I always equated running to uh, punishment because it was always a punishment for football and wrestling and stuff like that. And I went in the military at 17 and I hated running my whole military career. Uh, You always had to run in a group. So they always either put the fastest person up front or the slowest. (laughs) There was no uh, happy medium. Uh, I was in the military Basically, from 92 to 2011, off and on, I served in all three different versions of the Army, National Guard, Reserves, Active Duty, and uh, I was over in Iraq in uh, 06, 07, in the Ambar province, which was not a very nice place to be at that time frame. So you're talking Fallujah, Ramadi, uh, Altakadam. Uh, people that were there know that it was just not a nice place 
lots of uh, bombs on the roads. You couldn't even drive during the day. You had to drive at night with MVG goggles because they just put so many bombs out and you pretty much got mortared every day. And I mean, my saying over there was, if you like a, you like beaches, there's plenty of beaches, no water, and there's a, the locals give you fireworks every night. So, <laughs> my God, well, thank you again for your service, man. That's a tremendous career. Um, from, oh man, what does that span? About 22 years. Is that? Yeah, yeah off and on. I had some breaks in service. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't take it back. I'm proud of my, my service in my country and all that. And then as far as running goes, um, I started. 2008 kind of when I started doing little 5Ks here and there. Um, and what brought that on? Because you, like you said, running had always been kind of a punishment to you. Uh, well, I um, I was going to go for warrant officer. And to do warrant officer, I need to get some uh, civilian education under my belt. So I decided to get a associate's degree in uh, uh, exercise applied science. Okay. So I started doing that and then I started just, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the callus, I think, you know, there was a local around the Boniface and it looked like fun. And so I did that and that was my, uh, my grandfather had passed away. So that was his church. So I've been doing that run every year. And then I started, um, basically just doing little local 5Ks. I kind of liked them, you know, it it was different because there was no pressure. I could run my own race. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's cool. And so I started doing those and I did those for a couple of years. And then- uh, Let me just ask you real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, what is a a warrant officer, like you said? So a warrant, so uh, in the military, you have the enlisted, which is your um, private sergeants, up the sergeant major of the army you have regular officers and then warrant officers they're kind of they're they're like experts in their field so i did a lot of mechanics in the military so if i went warrant officer i'd be an expert in maintenance okay so it's kind of like a in-between level between enlisted and officers so you're not you're not you can be in charge of troops, but mo- more of the time, you're like a subject matter expert. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I'm so- I was sorry to interrupt. I'm just curious. Um, and so continue with your, your, uh, your running history story. I'm sorry. So, and then, you know, I basically just, I don't, I didn't do any more than like a five mile. Okay. So the St. Patty's Day run in St. Louis is a five mile. And then um, 2014, I signed up for a bubble run. <laughs> and uh, that company, it was supposed to be on my birthday weekend, and that company went out of business. Oh. And they gave me a free entrance into uh, Battlegrounds, which was a OCR event. Okay. Obstacle course racing. So I did that, and that, you know, that was pretty fun. So that started me down the rabbit hole of doing OCRs and yeah, I started doing Spartans and I've done a Conquer the Gauntlet. Uh, 2018, I qualified and I actually competed in the uh, North American Obstacle Course Racing Championships cool. for my age group. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
2019, I ran my first trail race. There's a local trail race at Pure Marquette Park. I've seen, sure you've seen all my runs out there. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, I did that, and then um, how far was COVID that one? And kind of liked it. Huh? How far was your first trail run? How far was uh, that? The, the Pure Marquette's like a little bit over seven miles, so it's okay. like seven and three quarter. Okay. Um, and you know, I just uh, then kind of to go back in uh, two thousand. 15 or 14 somewhere in there like i i've just turned 40 and i was like well i think i made a promise sometime in my 30s i'm gonna try a marathon okay so i ran my first marathon in um 2016 and i've run a couple marathons uh the first marathon i did was to frisco and they actually have ultra distances there. They have a 50K and a 50 mile. But, you know, at that time, I was like, oh, I, I can't believe people actually do that stuff. <laughs> and then, you know, I COVID happened and, oh, I gained a lot of weight and I wasn't really happy and I needed some motivation. And I actually found your podcast and that's where I really kind of got introduced to the world of ultra running. And uh, I started talking to my wife. I was like, well, you know, I think I, I think I might try to do this. You know, I, I, you had that one podcast with Michelle Hartwig mm -hmm. and, you know, I was like, well, you know, that's kind of local. And, you know, some of the races are up there where my wife's parents are at up near Chicago. So I was like, well, I'll do these. And my wife was like, well, you know, if you're going to do this, you better get some training. <laughs> and you know because i kind of looked online and i've always self-trained myself for all my races but you know at looking at training plans for an ultra i mean some of them the mileage is just extreme exactly yeah i was like no, i don't i don't i don't think i can run that much in a week so sure i contacted you and this year i've done 350ks 100k and my first 100 miler <laughs> which is incredible I, I think one of the things i was i was actually out running this morning and i was i was thinking about you and kind of you know our uh, our journey together uh through this um this year and you know one thing that struck me which i don't find often is your mental approach to the ultra it was um you know people they talk about you know the the 100 miler and yeah, it's their goal, but you seem to have just this, you know, almost confidence. And I don't want to say it like there's an arrogance or you're not uh, underestimating the um, the gravity of the situation or the um, the task ahead of you. But, you know, you approach it like it's going to, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to do it and you're going to get through it. You know, you, you have that capacity to to problem solve. Do you attribute a lot of that to the uh, the military? And maybe you don't even notice it yourself, but. Um, do you think that mentality comes from the military or where would you think that would come from? Well, you know, some of it obviously is the military. I've always been pretty self-sufficient. Um, I never knew who my father was. So my grandfather was my father figure and he was an old World War II veteran, Great Depression survivor, a man of very few words. Um, so I kind of got, you know, some of my work ethic from him and I've just... I've had a very 
rough life. I've had to rebuild my life numerous times. Um, and uh, probably the worst, you know, after Iraq, I was always kind of dealing with some stuff. And um, 2010, I actually, um, I tripped and I fell with my daughter, who was three months old at the time. And uh, she was hurt. Um, but, you know, she was fine. She was in the hospital for like three days. And after that, she was fine. But um, in the wisdom of the county I live in, they decided to try to uh, charge me with a class X felony and they tried to send me to jail for 30 years. So for five years, I lived my life day to day, not knowing if I was going to go to jail for 30 years for something that was an accident and you know my life totally you know imploded my my marriage at the time imploded uh, uh, my military career ended um, they wouldn't let me uh, pursue my military career anymore still had an honorable discharge so um, and, you know, just every day. And, and during that five years, I just really learned that every day you need to wake up every morning and just find something small to be happy about. No matter if that's making your bed or that you took a shower or, you know, because when you're in those dark places and you're dealing with depression, you know, it's it's really rough on you. And, you know, I I got up every day. I, I had to work fast food jobs again because I couldn't get any kind of better job which nobody, nobody wants to work fast food in their forties. Um, but you know, I got up every day I worked, uh, and you know, running really became my mental outlet and it, it, it helped me, you know, my running were my, my psychology sessions. I mean, the VA tried to put me on meds and I took meds for a year and yeah, I, I wasn't depressed, but I had no feeling. Like I didn't care what was going on. So I took myself off the medication and I just started running. And that's what, you know, really led me. And, you know, these long races and stuff I do, I just, you know, during those dark times when, you know, I'm in my pain cave or, you know, maybe I made some kind of mistake, you know, I always just kind of look back and I go, well, you know, you know, I have, I have a loving wife now that supports me. You know, I, I have a great coach that helps me out and, you know, I'm able to go out and do these things and, you know, you know, the flip side of the coin, you know, I could be behind bars sure. right now. So I've been able to rebuild my life and, you know, I just, and, you know, I also, you know, I'm, been nicknamed the moose and i'm just i'm too stupid to know when to quit sometimes <laughs> it, it is truly incredible because yeah i mean you know you're you're open when you know when you're hitting dark cycles when depression's hitting uh you, you talk about it and acknowledge it but you you move through it and you know it's um a lot of people it freezes them in their tracks um, but I think you have that realization that the the running, uh, you know, it helps you and it helps you process uh, and it helps you keep moving forward, which, you know, that's incredible. Because, as I said, not a lot of people can do that when when depression hits. Um, so uh, credit to you and, and your perseverance, um, you know, and, and, you know, when you need to kind of just 
step away for a second and just say, Hey, you know, I, I just need a couple of days, you know, just to kind of bring myself around. I know I'm in this place and I know what I need. Um, so it's, you know, it is a counterbalance. It's not always running as the solution, uh, you know, where, um, you may just need to like spend a few days just hiking or just being with your wife, um, which, you know, that's incredible too, uh, to, to have that, uh, inner touch with yourself, you know, to say, um, I need to give myself this grace so that I can put myself in a better place so that I can function, you know, uh, normally. And, and, uh, well, I don't know if it's, it's normally, but, you know, at a capacity where, you feel comfortable um, getting back to the the daily rigors. Um, does that sound pretty accurate? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a fine. I I I pretty much know myself. I know I've over the years I I kind of see my patterns, you know, and I know when I'm not at my best, you know. It and it's not something, and I just I've learned to not beat myself up, you know. It's this more times, you know, like I might be on a certain cycle and I just always have that kind of, you know, just like during COVID when I got, I mean, just my job, it was just, you know, I, I was still working fast food at that time. And, you know, I was just getting worked to death and, you know, I, I ballooned up to almost 280 pounds. So, and, you know, there was just a certain point where it's like, okay, you know, it's time to hit the reset button. I got to get this weight off. I got to try to find some kind of different, better job, which is, you know, it's at that has been a scary process for me because when you go for jobs, you know, everybody does background checks and, you know, I, I have to explain the whole situation, you know, and you're kind of, you're opening yourself up, making yourself vulnerable to a stranger and, you know, they don't always understand, you know. They might just judge you from what they see or something they read on the internet. And, you know, it's just, I've kind of had to deal with that situation. You know, it's kind of hard to put myself out there. And this year I, I finally got a very decent job this year. So, nice. so that kind of last piece of the puzzles kind of locked in. And so, can you talk about, you know, when you, when you realized you got up to, to 280 and you had a, you know, obviously you wanted to change and, and lose some weight, get back in shape. Um, what did that look like? Was it more of a holistic approach? Did you focus on one thing at a time? How did you, how'd you go about it? Uh, I, I started doing Noom. Okay. Which I'm not affiliated with whatsoever. Um, and I kind of liked it because Noom actually, um, it goes a lot more into the mental reasons why you may or may not be eating mm -hmm. instead of, you know, just watching the calories. So, you know, that was helpful and ins insightful. So I started doing that. Uh, I changed, I, I got out of fast food. I actually got a job to where, you know, I could actually have weekends off and I wasn't getting called in all the time. So that took that stress off. And, you know, I, even when my weight got up to 280, I was still trying to run. I was still trying to be active, but, you know, I, I always kind of go through these cycles where I kind of eat bad, you know, it's, and when you're married, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of hard because, you know, my wife works a very stressful job. She travels all the time. 
and she's usually home on weekends. So sometimes it's kind of hard, you know, because she wants to, she wants to de-stress, you know, and sometimes that might not be making the smartest, you know, health decisions, you know, and it's, it's kind of that, that balance, but I, I just started doing Noom and that's, um, that's why I kind of started picking up your podcast and I just set a big goal, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I, I did a couple little, I did a little trail racing series to get used to trails. And I found that just running out in the woods really helps out a lot more than, you know, if I had my choice, I'd run on the trails all the time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I get that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, talk about your, your journey this year. Um, you know, you've, you've, you obviously started taking off the weight and everything, but, um, you know, you, you started out with three fifty K's your first 50 K let's talk about that. Was that the frozen gnome? Yes, that was the frozen gnome. So, um, um, when I listened to your podcast, you know, I looked up Henri Mule racing and I kind of saw their series and I was like, okay. And I saw that they have, a a special buckle if you do uh, four races in their series. So I was like, okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll do this frozen gnome. So that would be the first. And then um, I signed up for that. And I've always enjoyed running outside. Um, weather doesn't really affect me very much. The only time I don't like to run outside is kind of like that. I call it like the, the witching zone where it's like, 33 34 degrees so it's not quite freezing and it's raining i mean that's just it to me that's just a soul sucker yes at or running in really heavy winds you know that's Mm. that's about the only you know i can get through heat and you know elevation and all that stuff it's just super heavy winds and bone drenching cold water like my kryptonites yeah i think we're all there (laughs) <laughs> i think we're all there cool oh. so you found frozen gnome and um yeah yeah it is a uh, honoring mule racing which uh, michelle hartwick and her crew just do an outstanding job with the, with the race series they have in the midwestern states um so you know talk about that that 50k that first 50k how it went what you learned that kind of stuff well the first 50k i felt that um it's been an experiment all year kind of with equipment i've kind of went from uh when i started doing trail racing i i for years i've been running in uh asics like cumulus or nimbus mm-hmm. a little bit more cushiony street i i've tried you know brooks and i've i've tried hookahs um uh mizuno's a little bit and this year this past year i kind of switched to the ultras so I've been kind of going through their shoes. Um, so I think I ran, I think I ran the frozen gnome and uh, maybe like a Lone Peak four. Okay. Um, Nathan Vest, I use the, uh, uh, I can't remember the name. It's a 1.5 liter. Okay. Um, so I use that and, um, nutrition for the most part, um, I've kind of gone through kind of different evolution of gels. I started off with goose and I 
don't like the taste of them. I've done Humas for a while. I like them. And then I kind of settled down on the uh, Spring Energy. Uh, I'll use Tailwind. But the first uh, 50K, was, there was a lot of snow on the ground. Um, I just kind of went out. I, I kind of set my goals. I, I don't remember if there was actually a time limit for that race. But I kind of set my, I figured trail rate, you know, I kind of set my A goal about seven to eight hours, B goal eight to nine, and then C goal was just to finish. Um, it went, it went pretty well. That race is, I think it's five, five loops on the course. So it's a, it's a loop course. Okay. And, um. The first two loops went really well. Um, the third loop was probably my slowest. Uh, my fourth loop, I actually picked up some decent speed. Um, there was a guy, Ryan, he's, um, he made this awesome uh, beer cabbage soup. And I got some of that. And <laughs> I just warmed up my insides. And I just kept out. I didn't really have... Very many problems. I I've been lucky that my my feet pretty much hold up pretty solidly all the time. I don't really get blisters or anything like that. I did get some blisters at the end of this hundred, but the race went well. Uh, my wife probably hated it more than me because she had to stand <laughs> out in the cold. But you know, I just I keep I keep moving, and I I'm actually like a really hot bodied person, so. I don't really have to run in a lot of stuff as long as I keep my uh, hands and feet warm. I fell through the ice when I was a kid, so I almost died there. So hmm. my my hands and feet are kind of a little bit more susceptible to cold. Um, but I, th- I think it went pretty good. I finished a little bit over eight hours. You know, it's just, I just, I run my own race. Because, I mean, when you go to these ultras, I mean, there's just there's some beasts of runners out there and they're just moving so fast, you know, you kind of have to slow down and kind of take your own pacing. And, and with that course, there's a lot of up and down hill. So, I mean, and there's a lot of slipping and sliding. So you kind of, that course kind of dictates you taking a little bit more time. Yeah, totally. That's all. It's great. Um, and obviously you made it through just fine eight eight plus hours you did great there with snow on the ground and everything um then you got two other 50ks under your belt so you know talk about the lessons that you took from all three of those going into your first 100k which was at kettle moraine uh well the frisco was a um i went down to the frisco i signed up there because they uh that's where I did my first marathon. But when you do the 50 K or the 50 miler, you get this railroad spike mm-hmm. as your trophy. So I was like, well, I want to get that railroad spike. So I signed up for that. Um, that re- race went pretty well. Other than uh, I tried to Mount blocks out for that race. Mm. And uh, they, I was developing odds, but I knew I was going to get a blister. Luckily I had, I put in a pair of shoes at the uh, turnaround point because that's an out and back. So I was able to change out those shoes. And that's where I knew like 
well, the Mont Blancs were not going to do it for me this year. <laughs> uh, but that, that was a pretty flat course. So I, I ran uh, much faster. I ran a, a, a little bit under six and a half hours for that. So That's great. Um, my nutrition, I mean, luckily for me, I, I have one of those iron guts where I like, I can eat almost anything and keep on running. I can drink Coke, you know, I can, I could go on a rib if I wanted to and, and keep on running. So I pretty much, you know, carry a little bit and I'll, I, I graze aid stations, you know, it's MMs or, you know, whatever I want. So I, that was six and a half hours. And then, um, then we did Galena Sky, which is in our race in the Andre Mule. And that, that one's a loop course. Um, my wife was able to set up her little tent and stuff. That, <laughs> that weekend ended up being pretty hot for that time of year up north. I think we're in the 80s. Um, um, so I kind of learned that race that I definitely need to start, um, getting a salt supplement of some kind. So I was like, well, I need to get some kind of, so I ended up getting those salt chews. And I also started using the, um, the spring energy, the uh, electrolyte, uh, ginger yeah, packet. Right. Yep. So, um, Got through that race. Um, that race has kind of an interesting format to where um, it's not. It's it's kind of a fifty k. It, it's it's basically you have like seven hours, eight hours to kind of run as much as you can. Mm. So uh, I think I hit like five loops and. It was a little bit over seven hours, and then you would have to get through the last loop within that hour. And I was like, well, I'm not going to make that. But like the last half hour, they kind of open up a small out and back section. Okay. So you can kind of rack up some more because it's like a quarter mile out, quarter mile back kind of deal. So at that time, I knew I was like, well, I'll just. I'll just take a break for 15 minutes and then I'll get on that little out and back and that'll get me, that'll get me over 30 miles. Nice. Cool. So that race went pretty well. Um, other than the, it was hot. Um, so, but I learned my lesson and I started getting some more electrolyte supplements because I am a pretty uh, heavy sweater. So <laughs> Oh, cool. So that, that brings you into double the distance now. So you're jumping up to hundred K at, at Kettle Moraine. So take us through that one. Um, Kettle Moraine. Um, we definitely, me and my wife definitely learned some lessons at that race. Cause that was the, uh, other 50 K basically, you know, frozen gnome. She was in one spot. She couldn't see me anywhere else. Um, Frisco, um, she could have drove up and down the road, but she just decided to stay. And I've already done that race because I and I knew that the Frisco they do an excellent job at their aid stations. I mean, some of their aid stations have ribs and whole baked potatoes. You know, it's 
it's a big team for them. So they're good with the raid there. And then Galena, we had that tent set up. So I'd see her every, I, th I think a loop was, you know, five or six miles somewhere in there. So I knew, you know, we we're going to see each other. But Cal Moraine was kind of different because it's, it's out in the woods. It's on the Ice Age Trail. She's not going to see me as often. So we kind of had our, our game plan. Um, started the race. Uh, I bought I bought a new set of poles. The, the Licky, uh, not the super lightest ones, but like the step below the super light ones, but they're the ultra running ones with the, with the glove grips and all that stuff. Okay. So I, I kind of, I had them set. I, I, I had them in a bag with a, with my drop bag, with a change of clothes and all that stuff. I had that at about like mile, I want to say like right at beginning of 40 and that would have my light and stuff. Cause I figured I'd be at 40 miles before it, it got dark. So and then I had one other drop bag, and that one just had some nutrition, um, stuff like that. Um, my wife was good about, uh, we had uh, some of those ice buffs made up. So we kind of, we had our game plan and started off the race. Um, race, first aid station I get to, my, my wife's in there. She's got our three little fur babies and she's got a blanket laid down on the ground and the first thing I was like uh, where's my chair <laughs> you know so the first day you know first size are they're probably 20 some miles in I sat down on the ground but I was like honey I'm not I'm not gonna be able to sit down on the ground you know? <sighs> we have to breed a chair so <laughs> we kind of learned that lesson and that race went pretty well for the most part I think about about 30 miles in my um, right knee started bothering me. Like I, I could not, every time I tried to do a downhill, it felt like somebody was stabbing me in my right knee. So I couldn't really run downhill. And, you know, I kind of, you know, hindsight 2020, I shouldn't have took the hills in the beginning of the race. So aggressively downhill, I should have took my time a little bit more going downhill. Um, so but then I saw her again at the turnaround point. And then when you get to that turnaround point, you got to maneuver some hills again, but then you're kind of out in the, like a grassland marsh area for a while. And uh, I actually surprised my wife because I came in about 16 minutes early for the second time I was supposed to see her. I've noticed that I kind of have this, there's usually sometime about three quarters in a race where like my engine, like halfway three quarter, my engine's really kicking good. <laughs> and I kind of like seeing people and I start moving forward. So I was able to get some good ground in that grassy area because there wasn't really any horrible downhills, softer surface to run on. So I made some good headway there, got to her, got my poles got some more nutrition and then I started off again. And then when I started off again, that's when my 
my left left side started kind of locking up and then I was having trouble getting uphill and downhill uh-huh. and I could still jog but like I, I noticed that there was no really difference between my jog and power walking at that point. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so I just switched to power walking and I had my headlamp and I just put my head down and I just kept pushing. <laughs> I got to the end. So nice. uh, there was an 18 hour cutoff at that race for uh, Western States. I missed it. Uh, I came in a little bit after 18 hours, like 18, 19. Um, I think I probably, if I would have ran the race a little bit differently, I probably could have made under 18 hours pretty easily, but, you know, just going that distance, you know, I just didn't know. And actually probably the hardest thing about that race was just the after effects, like, 50 Ks, you know, I'm, I'm sore for a day and then I'm pretty much back to where I need to be. And after, you know, doing a hundred K, I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'll be able to sleep. And <laughs> my legs, I just could not get comfortable. My legs were just aching. So the first two or three nights I didn't get very much, very good sleep at all. Um, took a little longer to recover from. Yes. Yeah. So, I, f- I feel like that race went well. I, I finished. Um, and that's how I, I kind of look at it. You know, I, I have a lot of non-running friends. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody go, well, you know, if I'm running, you better shoot what's chasing me or, <laughs> you know. I don't even drive that far. <laughs> or they always, you know, they always – uh what place you did you finish so but i I think uh kettle went well we definitely learned some lessons for crewing um for that race so and my wife's a big planner so she really started to get the plans out um cool we started planning up for the 100 miler and do you have any for instances what were some of the things that you you know, switched up or, or incorporated into your planning for the hundred miler? Um, well, I noticed that I really like, I really like watermelon with salt is like, is, is my go-to. So I was like, I definitely need that. Um, I ran the kettle in my Lone Peaks. Um, I think I had sixes at that time and they did me good, but I knew that I would need shoes with a little bit more cushion and I've had the Olympuses. So, uh, I picked up, um, two more pairs of Olympuses. I picked up, I think they just switched to the five. Right. So I, had, I picked up a four, um, and they were my backup shoe for, the kettle and I just by the time I hit 40 miles I didn't feel like changing shoes I just felt like kept on going um so then I picked up the fives uh, the the nice brown ones mm-hmm. so I, I picked those up so I got those um my wife uses the same vest as me so uh so that gave me two vests I've got three bladders so 
we don't have to struggle with pulling the bladder out and trying to get it back in. I can just switch vests out. Um, and just, you know, I, I have my things. I, I, you know, I want pretty much every stop. I either want a little mini Coke or a mini ginger ale. I want some watermelon with salt. And I want some kind of warm food, especially when it starts getting dark. Right. Cool. I, well, you learned a lot and you brought those lessons to the 100 miler. Um, would you say that you were more efficient in the aid stations in the 100 miler than you had been in the 50Ks and the 100K? Yeah, I think um, my longest stop in the 100 miler was probably about 20 minutes. But for the most part, I'm not, I'm usually not in an aid station for more than five minutes. Some aid stations, I'm really quick in and out. Um, we kind of, you know, we've got more efficient, you know, I'll, I'll sit down or I'll stand and my wife will get out the Theragun and she'll start hitting me up and down. She'll start getting those IT bands and stuff. And my other, I was able to get a good amount of crew together for the hundred miler. Unfortunately, I was not able to secure any pacers. Um, most people I know think running is for the devil. So <laughs> they don't, they don't believe in cardio. Um, so I didn't have any pacers. Uh, I kind of had, you know, we kind of went over and, you know, kind of estimated, you know, you look down on paper, it's like, oh, well, you know, a sub 24 is totally possible. It doesn't seem like you have to run that fast. And I'm like, you know, as I got closer, I was like, I know that's, I, I don't think my body's just going to hold up that long. <laughs> so, you know, kind of my A goal became, you know, somewhere between 27, 28, B was 28 to 29. You know, I really wanted to get under in under 30, but, you know, just finishing, you know, and I kind of, I had my last kind of long run two weeks out before the race where I kind of ran about, about a half marathon. And that's, that's a run where I kind of said, you know, I, I felt good there right now. I, go, I just accepted everything for the way it was at that time. You know, some things hadn't gone, you know, I put on some weight, you know, due to, you know, you know, my wife's father passing and having to deal with that, and the heat and just the summer. But, you know, I just, on that run, I just, okay. I've done, you know, I can't, I can't change anything. There's nothing I can do in the next two weeks that's going to make any kind of great difference. And I, I've put more training in than a lot of people have. And, you know, I just, I accepted at that point that I was going to go in and I was, I was going to do it. Mm. <laughs> as, as we talked about earlier. Yep. You had that definitely had that mentality like that. that I, I didn't have a doubt that you were going to finish. Um, this was also a Western States qualifier as well, though. Correct. Yes. And what was the requirement for the finish for the qualifier? Uh, for Western States qualifier, you had to run a hundred miles in 30 hours or less. 30 hours or less. Great. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, your wife was, was tremendous. Um, and your wife's name again is Tina, Tina, um, Tina, you know, she was, she was texting, um, giving me updates, how you're doing. 
Uh, I think her first checkpoint was at like 14. Um, and she said, you were doing great. You're moving well. You had a good pace going. Um, and then um, the next check-in was around 50K. And 50K, she said, you slowed down a little bit. So uh, why don't you talk to us about what went on between 14 and 50K? Well, so um, the uh, Hennepin 100 is mm -hmm. all on a canal. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the old canal system. I, I'm pretty sure, I guess I probably used to run up to Chicago when before railroads and all that stuff. You know, they started that project, I think, in the early 1800s. So apparently it's one of the few canals that still has water in it. So uh, early morning. So I, the first, that first point, I had probably been running solidly the whole time. But, you know, I noticed, you know, the start of this 100-mile race and, you know, I always look at other people because I'm not your typical runner. I'm, I'm a bigger guy. I mean, I'm not called the moose for, for nothing. So, you know, I'm, not, I'm seeing all these people, you know, more like your size. And everybody, like, right off the bat is doing intervals. You know, everybody's got their, you know, their... All, that, all the timers are going off. So, you know, I... I ran about 15 miles. I was like, oh boy, I don't, I go, maybe, maybe these people have something. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I should start, start doing it. So I actually took my phone out of airplay mode and downloaded an interval timer. <laughs> and then I kind of, I was kind of messing around with what time was going to be good for me. Uh, Cause you know, some people were doing like one minute run 30 minute. Um, so I kind of, I, I kind of experimented and I ended up settling on two minute run, one minute walk. Okay. Cause I, I figured I go, well, you know, all these people have done this race and some of these people have done this race multiple times. So I was like, sure. well, I go, I know I'm not going to be able to run a hundred miles solid. <laughs> so I go, well, maybe I should start doing the interval and, you know, being on that flat course, there's no Hills to kind of give you that natural break time where you'd right. be walking. Right. So uh, I, you know, I adjusted my strategy on the fly because we've always, we've done some interval training, but most of my training, I just run all the time, mm -hmm. you know? So I never really did a long run where I ran walk. So I kind of just changed that on the fly because I figured, you know, I'm just, I am not going to make it. And then if I try to just run it the whole way or I'm going to end up, you know, being in a lot worse shape later on. So I started doing the intervals and by the time I saw my wife again at the 50 K, which I came in at 225, um, the sun, there was not, there's not that much shade. I mean, there's a tree line. So, you know, if the sun's, in a certain area, sometimes you get some shade for a while, but there's not really, the sun was out, you know, obviously I was used to the heat a lot more than a lot of people being that that race is farther up North in Illinois and I'm down by St. Louis. Uh, so I'm used to running in that heat and humidity, but the sun was overhead and I think the sun was affecting a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I had bought, you know, little 
I beforehand I bought these little things that just hook to your hat to give you kind of like that sun skirt to protect my uh, my neck and my ears. So I just I probably slowed down just because I I went to that interval, which slowed me down a little bit. But at that point, I was still averaging. I think I was still below a 14 minute mile at that point. I was still hovering between 13 and 14, according to my watch. Right on. Right on. Um, Because after that, um, I was trying to follow you on the tracker, but it's the tracker for some reason froze at 50K. Like I would refresh it even the next morning. It had you at 50k so you know i was like did he stop like you know what's going on so i texted your wife and she's you know so so sweet she goes i didn't want to bother you you know i didn't want to text you too early but yeah he's fine we're 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 doing great we're uh we're you know we're at i think uh they had just left like 94 at that point and we're heading to the finish so i was like wow you know that that you know that's fantastic so um from when you started the run walk interval, did you switch at all or did you stay out of that primary like two one interval? Yeah, I pretty much I pretty much stuck to the two one interval for pretty much the duration I started. So the second time I hit that um so you kind of the hennepin kind of goes down in a T. Okay. So you head down south and then you head out on um, part of the T and then you're coming back and then you're going into the finish line. So you hit a lot of the aid stations twice. Right. So I was, I was doing pretty well. Um, night had come. Um, a lot of people thought I was crazy because I was one of the few people just running in shorts and a t-shirt, but I just, I'm, you know, most of my runs are at night, you know, you know, yep. you're, you know, I'm getting up at midnight sometimes to go run before work. Right. So I'm used to running in the dark and I actually like it. Um, so towards the end, when we hit, there is a small out and back towards the end of the T that the 50 milers had to do and then they crossed over the bridge and then that was the end for the 50 milers um the 100 milers had to go out a little bit more and then we came we turned around um Dade station there i had a really good uh chicken taco so mm-hmm. that kicked up my spirits and once once i hit that turnaround i was like you know it's all downhill from here so <laughs> you know kept moving um, I don't give myself music until at least I'm halfway through a race. You know, that's kind of, uh, my treat. So the first half of the race is usually, you know, I try to talk to people, you know, that second half's when I get my music. The only thing that kind of went bad is when I hit that 50 miler again, I had stopped to get aid for my crew and, I have a Garmin Enduro and it has like an emergency function on it. And I keep it on because if I'm running trails or something during the week and I fall or something, it'll alert my wife. But when I stopped, I guess because my heart rate either, you know, it it felt like I had stopped too suddenly or my heart rate dropped. 
that uh, it went into emergency mode. And then my brain fog, I could not figure out how to operate my watch. I thought I turned it off and I didn't. <laughs> I started running again and I was messing with my music and I looked down at my watch and my watch hadn't restarted. So oh, uh, I was able to shut it off. But then when I shut it off, it, it stopped my run. So that was kind of a bummer because I started my watch back up, but then I kind of lost my pacing a little bit. So, you know, that kind of put me in the dumps for, to the next age station. I, I hit the next age station and that one was kind of like a eighties themed. They had a big disco ball and <laughs> they, had, they had the music and I've been listening to my music. So I got out of that funk, got myself some more warm food and then between that aid station and hitting the 50K mark again, which would have been a, around 100K this time, I, I just felt good. And I kind of hit that, that clicking moment. And then, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I see the lights of people and I just, I'm just constantly moving forward. I'm doing my two to one. I probably passed 10 to 12 people between that aid station and the next but then that kind of led into i got to the 100k mark a lot earlier than i was supposed to mm. or probably that i think it was more like 70 miles i got yeah. there a little bit more than i was supposed to and you know i i come into the aid station i'm looking around and you know there's some chairs set out and some people at fire but i don't see none of my folks <laughs> like well, okay. Well, so I go up to the table and I start, you know, getting some food and my cousin comes out and she's like, Josh, over here, over here, over here. So I come back to the cars. My wife's in her, you know, my wife's Tina. She's, she's standing out in her stocking feet. <laughs> she's half asleep, you know, and she's like, oh, and you know, at that point, it's like, oh, I just passed like 10 or 12 people. I was supposed to change my shoes at that point. And I was like, no, I just passed all these people. You know, I got caught up in the moment and I was like, I'm just going to push to the next aid station. It's only six more miles and then we'll change my shoes and stuff there. And, you know, we both look back at it now that she should have said, no, you're stopping. I mean, it might've took them an extra two or three minutes to get the chair out and stuff. But at that point, you know, you, you know, you've done a lot of your, your brain's not always working and you kind of get caught up in the moment and that's probably between that aid station and next was probably like my biggest my biggest dark time of the race okay because um, the only bad thing i did not like about the hennepin and i didn't realize it is pretty much the last 30k is all um tar and rock mm. so it's a really hard surface Right. And, um, you know, my feet really started hurting me. Um, I was still, I was still run walking, but I mean, my fever just hurting me. I mean, I, I turned my phone on, I called my wife and, you know, I'm like, I think I ruined my race. I, I should have stopped. My feet are just killing me. And my wife's like, just, just get to the next aid station, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, I also that at that point it was yeah. So it was about one I left 
I left that that 70 miles about 117 in the morning. And then I didn't get to where I saw my wife again till 302. And that at that point, you know, I was also getting the the startle trying to keep myself awake. Mm. You know, I kind of uh I, I saw a, a, a giant demon snapper turtle on the trail at one point because I kept hearing stuff like plopping down into the canal the whole time, you know. Yep. And I saw this big dark patch, and for a second, it just looked like a giant snapper turtle. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but so I got to the next aid station. I got shoes. Um, a lesson learned there. Um, the only the bad thing was because of the way I've been running and I wasn't really wearing that much when I sat down for that, like I immediately like within a minute or two started coughing pretty heavily. My body temperature dropped. I mean, they got, yeah. They got a blanket on me and, you know, we put some more um, happy toes on my feet. We look back at it now that we probably should have took a little bit more time. She probably needed to take a towel and wipe down my feet and maybe like, have like a blow dryer or something, you know, that I think my feet really need to be dried at that time. And we just lotion them up and put, put new socks on and shoes. So, um, so my feet were just definitely, definitely being a factor. I started out again. And at that point, like it was pretty much power walking from there. So I kind of, it just, I always kind of hit that point where, you know, these longer races and Kettle Moraine and this one, both, I kind of hit that point where it's like, I'm jogging, but I don't really notice any more difference in pace between jogging and just straight power walking. So I just kind of give up on the running at that point and just keep on uh, marching forward. And uh, what point of the race was that? How how far in? Uh, so that would have been, so I got my change of shoes. That would have been at 74.6 miles. Okay. And then I didn't see my wife again or my crew to, till 88.1 miles. I okay. mean, there were, there were aid stations. There were two aid stations in between there, but there was no crew access. Okay. Did you were like once you saw your crew there um, at that roughly seventy five mile mark? Did you were you able to kind of uh, you know kind of get that brain and uh, mental reset, if you will, get into a more positive mind frame, or were you still kind of in a low? Uh, you know, I kind of I kind of accepted. I mean, you, you know, it's a hundred miles. Or there's going to be pain. Yep. You know, so you kind of have to accept that. Um, obviously I'm, I'm not like the guy that finished first who ran just over 15 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on the trail a lot longer. Uh, but at that stop, that was probably my longest stop. I came in at 302 and I didn't leave that stop till 324. So that ended up being about 22 minutes stop. So I was able to get some, uh, some soup in me, um, I think I had some pizza rolls. Uh, so I was able to get some hot food in me. 
I was able to get, you know, some, um, some more, um, Theragun in and the change of shoes did help a bit, but by the time I was going to see my wife again, I called her, I called her, I probably, I knew I'd be in the aid station about 30 to 45 minutes and I called her and I was like, honey, I go, my, my feet are just, they're just killing me. These, you know, the Olympuses, they're just not working for this road. And I go, I had an old pair of Mizunos in, in our trailer because we pull our fifth wheel up. So I had an old pair of Mizunos. I know those are more ro- road shoes. I, I knew they were older, but they had a lot more cushion in them. So I'm like, honey, can, is there any way you can go to the trailer and get that old pair of road shoes? So she was able to get those. So next time I saw her, I changed out shoes again to a, to a road shoe. And that's when I started using my poles. So. Cool. How many miles to go was that? So I was at 88.1 okay. at that time. So I had about 12 more miles. Um, so then I just started, I just started power marching the sun had been up for an hour at that point. Um, how are you? How are you feeling about that? You know, sub thirty hour goal, so you could get your Western qualifier at that point. Um. So, uh, I felt pretty, pretty good. I knew I had to do a lot of fuzzy math. I was doing fuzzy <laughs> math throughout the night because obviously I had to restart my watch. So I didn't have like, I had to do like more fuzzy math. Like I kind of knew where my, that's where I started. Like when I hit an aid station, I'd be like, how many more miles, you know, or like how many miles to the next aid station? And I was kind of breaking down. I knew. So earlier in the race, I had hit a point and like the magic point where I had run good enough to where I knew at that point in the race if I just totally slow down, if I had, I knew it about like maybe 50 miles in, I knew that even if I went to a 20 minute mile and only averaged three miles an hour, that I would still make it in under 30 hours. Okay. But of course, you know, that's with no breaks or anything like sure. that. So, right. Right. Um, so I kind of had that going, um, but change shoes, I got to, I saw my wife again one more time at 94.7 miles. And at that point I came in and it was a very quick stop. I was, I was only there like four minutes because I knew it was like, Hey, I just want a candy bar. I want to, I want to whatchamacallit. You know, I want this and I want that. And I'm gone. You know, I, yeah. I got to get back on the trail. Yeah. And there was a guy at the aid station. She's like, you know, you're, you're almost, you only got, you know, 6.5 miles. That, but that 0.5 doesn't matter. Don't worry about that 0.5. We, <laughs> it's like, I just want you to get across that finish line and smile. And I go, well, I don't know about smiling. I guarantee <laughs> I'll cry. But I, I, I just don't know there's going to be any smiling. <laughs> and then. 
so I just kept powering forward. The sun was starting to come up, and obviously with it rising in the east, it was coming up behind me, and I could feel that heat start creeping up. And uh, like the last two miles, like as you're coming into town, there was like there was some more up and downhill because of the bike trails. Mm. I didn't really like that, but you know, I, I just knew that. Uh, I knew once I got to that ninety four point seven, I knew it's like okay, I got, I got like two more hours of work. I uh, if I keep this pace up, because I was, I was probably averaging somewhere between eighteen to twenty one minutes per mile. I, I just knew I was like, okay, I'm going to make it, you know, I'm doing the math in my head. It's like, even if like, I totally break down, I'm still going to be, I still got like, I still got like 45 minutes of like play time. Nice. So I just, you know, I buckled down and I just kept moving. I saw, I think there was this one guy. I don't think he crossed the finish line. He was, he was so close. He was probably six miles out and he was, his wife was standing with him and he just, he would try to take a step and he would just immediately cramp. Oh, so I saw, so I, I, I think I saw somebody coming out to him with an ice pack. I, I just don't think, uh, I, I, I don't think he made it because there wasn't too many people coming in after me. Gotcha. But so, you know, you're saying you got like two miles from the finish, you got through, uh, the rollers, um, so you're, you're coming into the, the finish line. Um, were you checking your watch at all or were you, um, you know, knew you were good? And Well, I knew, I knew I was good. So, and you know, so the, probably the pad, the last like four miles were, you know, every now and then I just, I, I'm very good at visualizing the finish line. And every time I visualize the finish line, I would start crying or I, I start choking up. No, so, no. you know, the last four miles, I'm just kind of going through that concert roller coaster of, you know, pushing myself, you know, I'm doing my little dances with my music, you know, making up my little <laughs> songs, you know, and then, you know, the next minute I think about the finish line, I'd start choking up again. And, you know, I, Notice, I guess just because of the way I, I run and my pace, I'm kind of like, I'm not, I, obviously I'm not in the front, but I'm not slow enough to be way in the back. I'm kind of like in that weird zone where I just, I'm not around many people. So I have to be a lot more self-reliant. Um, but right. yeah. so I'm just, I'm just pushing myself and I'm, I'm looking for landmarks I know once I saw like this double bridge towards the end that I was going to be very close and, you know, you know, we're getting into more civilization as you're getting into Kelowna. So, you know, I'm just pushing myself and I come out from the last kind of underneath bridge. And then, you know, there's, there's a fire station on the left and then there's the finish line and, you know, I'm not, you know, some people are trying to, you know, muster up a jog to get, you know, look like they're finishing extra strong at the end. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm just, I'm just walking in with my poles and, you know, my, my wife comes out. Um, 
I had a request. Um, it's kind of been my theme song for the past year because it, it kind of, you know, mirrors my life and kind of my running philosophy because I've always, I've had to rebuild my life so many times. But, you know, I, she came out, she had the speaker going, Elton John, I'm still standing. <laughs> so that's kind of my mantra. Nice. You know, she's playing that. I'm coming in. You know, I cross that finish line. You know, Michelle, they're great. They got the chairs out. They sit you down. You know, I, I, I get handed my, my buckle. And then I was like, I go, where's my other stuff? Because I, I get my other buckle and my, my uh, cherry pop shirt. Because I popped my ultra cherry for the 100 mile there. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and she's like, is there anything you need? And I'm just kind of dazed. And I'm crying. Hmm. Everybody's crying. You know, you know, my wife tells me that her, her and her mom and my aunt, they've been crying for like the past like 30, 40 minutes with everybody oh. coming across the finish line. You know, it's just <laughs> lots of cycle. And, you know, I'm just like, well, I, I could use a beer. <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> i love how much it it meant to you uh you know the end to your wife and and family that there was so much emotion wrapped up in your finish um that's tremendous to to hear because they they shared this they truly shared this journey with you um so that's oh it just uh, i was i'm so proud of you man for for doing it for getting through it um you know and Talk about your, your finish time. So I finished in 29 hours, 19 minutes, and I think like four seconds. <laughs> so I made it. Uh, <laughs> I've already looked at the Western State State. I was trying to do that earlier this week, and I realized I can't put in myself for the lottery until right. November. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, do you remember your text to me? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you said, "Oh yeah, I wanted." I was like, "You can give up that lottery." In <laughs> you you give up that, yeah. yeah, that raffle ticket. You, you you've already been there. Uh, well, I haven't got to run it yet, but uh, I just went to crew. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's, so I'm excited. You know that I got across that finish line, um, and that wasn't too bad. Other than they sat me down on a picnic table and I sat there for a little bit and I was like, Hey, I need, I want my, I need my shoes off. I need to get some air to my feet. <laughs> um, so I took shoes off and I guess the minute I took my shoes off, my feet started to blister a little bit. Oof. And, uh, I tried to stand up. And when I tried to stand up, like the world just <laughs> swirled and I was like, Nope. Nope. <laughs> I sat back down and then my feet and my lower legs just like went on fire. Oh my gosh. So I had to lay down and I propped my feet up on the picnic table and I just sat there, just lay down on the ground for maybe five or 10 minutes. I don't know. But I mean, like <laughs> my legs were just, they were on fire. And then <laughs> my, stepdad, my stepdad and my wife, you know, each got under one arm and, I started hobbling to the, to the car, the Kelowna fire department. They're excellent there. They, they opened up their firehouse, you know, and they offered to get me inside for a shower and this and that. But I, you know, my wife had been up for just as long as I had pretty much. 
and she just wanted to get me back to the fifth wheel at that point. So they they loaded my body up into the car and <laughs> we headed back to the campground. Uh, awesome, man. Uh, so um, let's talk about uh, your recommendations to first timers, your tips for first timers. What, what are some things that you would bring to the table for somebody that's doing their first? It could be their first ultra. It could be their first hundred. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, obviously I, I would highly recommend getting a coach because if I were to try training to some of those training plans I saw where they wanted you to run like 80 to hundred miles a week, I probably would have, I probably would have given up. I mean, you know, I, I think the most I ran in a month with you was, I think one month I got close to about 180 miles, but for the most part, you know, our months are usually somewhere between a hundred and, you know, so, you know, everything was in very manageable chunks, you know, it's, and it, it's, it's a definitely, you, you have to prepare yourself for a time commitment. If you have a partner, you need to talk to your partner about it because, you know, there's going to be a lot of times where it's like, well, honey, that sounds great, but I need, I need to go run four hours this morning and then, then we'll do something, you know? So it's a big time commitment. Definitely get a coach, definitely reach out to the community or wh wherever you're going to run, you know, get some of that insight, but, you know, remember to take everything with a grain of salt, you know? Um, and you just, you, you have to train like how you're going to run. You, you have to, Luckily, I don't, I don't have issues with food. I saw people have issues with food. Uh, there is a great gentleman, uh, Sean. I am trying to, trying to find this gentleman somehow. Um, he, he did not make it, but he had some very kind words to say to me. And, you know, he was like, you're an inspiration. I'm just going to run, you know, behind you. I'm like, you don't have to run behind me. You can run beside me. We can talk, you know. But I guess he didn't make it. You know, I I take pride in some of the, you know, you don't always need pay. You know, I, I got lots of compliments at the end. Like this is your first hundred mile. You don't you didn't have a pacer. <laughs> you know, it's like no, I, I didn't. I mean, just just take the time. Trust in your training. Um, don't beat yourself up if you if you miss a run here and there. I mean. You, you have to, as you, as you put it, you know, I kind of missed one. I missed like my first long run right before kettle. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And you were like, don't worry. You got the hay in the barn. You're, you're ready. You know, so it's, you know, you got to trust that training, figure out your gear, find out what's comfortable for you. You'll, you'll learn lessons like at kettle. One thing we definitely learned, um, I didn't realize that my pack was rubbing me the way it was. So I ended up with a lot of chafing. And then at the hundred mile, my wife was just on it. She was like, get over here, stand here, lift up your shirt. All right. Rub me down, you know? So I had, I had pretty much zero chafing. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a constant learning process. Like I, I did uh, kind of like your no, no a little bit. I, I bought some of those TH shorts. Um, unfortunately, I'm a little, 
I need to lose a little weight to actually use the shorts, but the running, the running underwear I found are excellent. So uh, I was going to just cut the liner. I, I, I found one short pair of shorts I had that didn't have a liner in it. Um, I bought a pair of shorts right before we left at Kohl's and they ended up, I tried them on when I got up for the hundred mile and they didn't work. And then uh, we went back to Kohl's and I found these really super light, like running shorts with no liner in them. So I picked up two pairs of those and I had that, that, that running uh, underwear and I had hardly any chafing. Nice. So yeah, just uh, keep yourself lubed for sure. Uh, keep your, you know, keep your feet going. Um, and, and, you know, the most important thing that really is to give yourself some grace because there's, there's going to be times where that sun's beating down on you or, you know, you're, you're going to feel like you're not, you, ha- you have to run your own race. That that's the most important thing. You have to run your own race because unless you're, you know, one of these super beasts, you know, you're not going to be up in the front, you know, and for me, you know, most people, you know, I've had a very short ramp up, you know, I've really only started running in my forties and I've, you know, so I've gone from just doing Pilly 5k all the way (laughs) up to a hundred miles. And, you know, I've learned, you know, it's, you know, just trust yourself. If, If you, want to be competitive just look at maybe the person that's not too far up ahead of you and just try them because you know there's just i mean there's some very very impressive athletes out there and they are moving (laughs) but you know i think for the kettle 304 people were signed up for the 100 only 279 started so i don't know if those people just did show up or they dropped down to the 50 miler sure. and uh, only a hundred and I think only 176 or 78 finished. Wow. So about a hundred people dropped out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you got to give yourself that grace and you, you know, reach out, talk to people. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit, I do a lot more on my own. I'm, I'm one of those people where I I just crack the whip on myself and get myself out that door. But, you know, if, if you know, you have that problem where you, you know, you'll find somebody that's going to support you. My wife has always supported me and you've supported me. You, you gotta, those are important tools, not just your physical, you know, your mental's just as important because you're not, your body most of the time is going to get you to the end. Yep. But what stops people the most is, is the mental game you know there's a there's got to be that point where your your mind's gonna be like hey what are we doing out here we (laughs) we could be in bed right now we could have a beer (laughs) you know right that's right absolutely all great points all great points and you are an inspiration josh like uh your story is is tremendous the amount of times that you've bounced back your resiliency is just incredible um i'm super proud of you for for finishing for qualifying for western um, it's just, it's such a great story here. Your build from 
uh, and you know they're not piddly 5k's like we we should not diminish uh, you know any distance because oh, no, no. you know it's and, and I'm not saying you are I'm just saying that you know it, like the 5k is is somebody's you know longest race and that's awesome um so um but you came a long way for sure and you've done tremendous you. things so I I really appreciate you and your time here and for sharing your story um if anybody does want to reach out what's uh, what's a good way to connect with you uh, probably the easiest way to connect with me is on Facebook. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you know, I, I do Strava, but I don't, I don't use Strava like everybody else. It's kind of, <laughs> well, I, I, I go through my Garmin more for sure. to check stats and stuff like that. I've never really met. So Facebook's pretty much the easiest way to get a hold of me. Sweet. Anybody can feel free to reach out, you awesome. know. Thank I'd be happy to help anybody, you know, try to achieve a goal. Uh, I'm already, my wife's already called me crazy. I've already <laughs> kind of picked out another hundred. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? that? Which one's that? Uh, it's Hungerlands. It's like the first running of it. I'm on the wait list. I, I guess they just filled up right before the hundred, but I didn't want to sign up. I wanted to get a hundred under my belt to make sure, sure. that. I was going to cross that finish line and be like, yeah, no more. (laughs) I'm signed up for that. And um, I'll probably get into that. And then um, my, we kind of want to try to do a race in every state. Cool. So this year we're looking at getting in Florida. Wow. My wife wants to really go up. She's got an old coworker. So I'm looking at, there's a um, ultra trail running event. And near Traverse City up in Michigan. Okay. In May. I probably won't do the 100K because the 100K's got a pretty, it's got a pretty tight cutoff. Like I don't, I have to look at and break down. I don't know if I can make it in the cutoff for the 100K. So I might only end up doing the 50K for that. Okay. Man. I'm trying that Hungerlands and then, you yeah. know, that's wonderful. With- pretty much said if if i get picked for the lottery for western states that we're going so <laughs> nice that's awesome man well i i i've you know fingers crossed for you for the lottery and it's a you know I, it's tough but i hope you get that experience as well so and again thank you for your time here josh and for sharing your story congratulations once again on you know just a tremendous tremendous season overall it's fantastic i appreciate you and and thank you again Thank you, Aaron, for being my coach. And as my wife told me already that you're going to keep being my coach for a very long time. She thinks you're good for me. Well, thank you, Tina. And thank you, buddy. Thank you. And congratulations to all three of my guests, uh, Leah, Janelle, and Josh. You all are fantastic and amazing. I just, you know, hats off to you for your first time going out and especially you know uh janelle and leah for for running through uh what was a very trying um, weather conditions so amazing job to all of you and thank you for sharing your stories around here uh we just finished up our cross-country season my daughter made it to our conference team our girls uh you know i'm coaching the middle school where my daughter is and uh, the girls won the conference title for the seventh time in a row. Simply amazing. They had uh, outstanding performances. Very proud of the girls. Um, and my daughter, 
especially. She ran her heart out. It was pretty amazing. Um, just a, a great race by all. So just want to tip my hat off to them as well as to our boys. Um, we had um, fierce competition all, all season with uh, a local high school, excuse me, a local middle school. And uh, the boys persevered and, you know, uh, we lost our best boy. He fell at the beginning of the season and broke his wrist uh, actually doing drills. I felt uh, horrible about that. Um, and, you know, it, it, it definitely made our job a lot tougher. But the boys, the, you know, they were awesome. They, they stepped up to the plate. They did everything they could. Uh, and they took second in our conference, which, you know, is, is nothing to sniff out, uh, especially with the competition that they faced. So I'm super proud of both teams. Uh, with you know, with how they performed, so congratulations to those guys um, for finishing up their season so well. Um, it's been a joy coaching them. Uh, next up for me will be uh, winter track or indoor track, uh, as as is most commonly known. But here we call it winter track because they don't really run indoors. <laughs> so uh, that's coming up next for me. I'll be coaching at my son's high school. So um, going from middle school up to the high school level, coaching uh, winter track and then outdoor track. So. Um, aside from that coaching, I still have some spots open. So if you're interested in having that conversation about coaching, um, whether you are looking to do 5k marathon, uh, ultra, whatever it may be, um, I'm happy to have that conversation. Um, a lot of my conversations revolve around ultras. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not to say that I don't coach, um, people that are just looking to get into 5k's or, you know, run uh, a PR in a marathon. Um, you know, my, my background, uh, for those that don't know, comes from, uh, you know, the track and field and cross country, um, background. That's where I came from. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've run the marathon, run all the distances, which, uh, I'm, I'm glad to have that experience so I can share it. Um, I also believe that I don't have to coach, um, anybody in one specific way. You know, there's not one specific way that works for every athlete. Uh, I have, um, a slew of different, uh, training methodologies at my disposal with all the different certifications that I've gone through and some work better for others. And we just have to figure out that puzzle. So if you're interested in having that conversation, please reach out. Happy to have it. Uh, you can find more information on my website, mrrunningpains.com and all of my, um, uh, email and everything is in the show notes. So please reach out. Uh, on another note, I want to really just uh, take a moment and thank uh, my Patreon because uh, I had a few step up um, and actually increase their Patreon, which I mean, you know, as I wrote to them, it means the world to me. Um, you know, this is uh, this has been great. And I've been making a push to try to get the, the Patreon up because I realize, you know, that there are costs that I am incurring and I need to cover those costs. And, you know, I'm trying to provide um, guests and information that uh, will be useful to, to folks. And so what I am going to do is I am going to put some episodes behind the paywall, behind the Patreon paywall. So my Patreons will have access to um, uh, some specific episodes. And um, I will ask the community if there are certain topics that they would like me to cover, if there are certain questions they have, uh, even if they want to come on and ask the question, I can you know answer it directly to them. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm going to start doing that for my Patreon sponsors. Um, so I just want to take a quick second and thank those folks 
because like I said, uh, it really is making a difference in what I do, uh, and, and how, how much I can do it. So, um, you know, recording this, <laughs> this is over two and a half hours of recording, almost three hours of recording. So it does take a lot of time. Plus I'm doing my own editing and production. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's tough, but I enjoy doing it and I want to thank these people cause they make it possible. So Carolyn more so thank you, Mike Sears. Awesome, man. You and Mike just ran uh, his marathon up in Steamtown. Uh, I loved his attitude. Uh, he had some calf cramps. It didn't work out to his favor, unfortunately, but he just wants to keep moving forward because he's got Tunnel Hill coming up. Um, Julia Jordan, who just finished Yeti 100. Fantastic, Julie. Uh, what a she's just a, such a, a shining gem, and she's also doing the Tunnel Hill 50. Uh, so Mike and Julie are both doing the Tunnel Hill 50. Very cool. Nicole Burnham, uh, amazing. She just did Berlin, um, and uh, my thoughts go out to you. You know what I'm talking about, Nicole. Um, thank you for your support, um, Peter. I have not met you yet, and I believe your last name is Ko. But um, I, you know, I, I would love an email, just an introduction, hear a little bit more about you, Peter. Uh, Will Weedman, you're the man. Dude, um, I think Will just did um, Tour de Jantz, uh, I believe, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Will is a coach himself, um, and I, I, it's amazing. Will is just a cool dude. Uh, he did Hellbender this year as well. Philip Taylor. Um, Philip is an amazing individual that, uh, you know, local 5K guy. I got the pleasure of working with him. He is just um, just such a, a great person with an awesome family. I love um, him, his wife, and his kids. Uh, they did the healthy kids with us. Fantastic people. Uh, Martin Thorne. Uh, Martin is one of those ageless wonders. He's been a guest on in the past. Continues to amaze me with uh, the performances he puts out at the uh, half marathon and marathon level. Nancy Lewis, uh, just such a sweet individual. Um, you know, it's, I, I hope I get the chance to work with Nancy again in the future. And I thank her for being a supporter. Victor Dostow, he is just a local supporter. Uh, he's a doctor in the area who just loves to support local, and I appreciate his support. Um, Kendall Weaver, Kendall, uh, Kendall does an amazing job here. He's been really engaged with uh, trail maintenance and trying to engage the community and, and get the uh, North Carolina Mountain Trail Runners club kind of uh, more engaged uh nate heaslip who just stepped up massively in supporting um uh, the uh the podcast here and and my work through mr running pains uh i've coached his wife for a while uh i believe he's doing shut-in coming up here austin elder austin uh i'm not sure what you're up to man it's been a while since i've caught up with you i hope everything's well and i thank you tori greaves um tori uh, has been unfortunately on injury she was supposed to do ccc but i'm hoping she's getting better and can kind of get back on the game i think she's going to be doing bandera 100k coming up so my patreon supporters i i really like i said you know i really appreciate them i try to get to know them um and engage with them so this you know this is going to be my way of kind of giving back to those that can support um if you can if you want to look into it there is a link in the show notes there's also a link on my website if you want to look into supporting me on patreon you can do so for a dollar a month uh or more whatever you decide. Uh, I sincerely, honestly appreciate the support. Cause like I said, it's making it go a long way and I, I want to make sure that I'm giving value to those that are giving to me. So thank you all very much. Um, other than that, let's see. Um, yeah, October newsletters out. So you can check out the October newsletter on my website. Um, mrrunningpains.com. It is, uh, all of the old, um, uh, newsletters are archived on there as well as the podcast and you can search and kind of find stuff. There's a search bar to find what you're looking for. Uh, so, um, check those out and you can subscribe right on my, uh, my website. It's free. 
once a month. I write a newsletter, put you know as much information as I can in there about training, um, racing tips, uh, gear reviews, all that kind of stuff. So that's all on there. So um, check that out. And once again, thank you all for listening. I appreciate you greatly. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode and, and like I said, took something away from it. Uh, next week, we will have, um, I coached two ladies that went back to back from Berlin to London. They both did the uh, Berlin Marathon and then a week later did the London Marathon. So we're going to talk about their experience. Uh, they're chasing after what is now the uh, the six-star medal, trying to complete all of the six world majors. And we talk about the possible expansion and what that would mean. So um, that's going to be my next episode. Uh, beyond that, going to have a conversation, another conversation with Nathan Lehman. We're going to kind of go over fall footwear and what's coming you know, soon, what's coming down the pipes, what can we look forward to, what's the trends. Uh, looking forward to that conversation with Nathan. Uh, he's such a cool guy, and I can't wait to, to have that conversation. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. If you guys have any ideas for guests or you yourselves want to be a guest, don't hesitate to reach out. Always happy to hear those and um, potentially get you on the podcast. So, uh, you know, Thank you guys once again, and until next time, keep running, my friends.